Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis where it's 7 o'clock your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler hope you enjoyed uh, or are enjoying your breakfast this morning uh, Brooke Grimsley is here Matthew I, Rocchio is yeah. here I'm Randy Carricker great to have you with us how you doing I'm doing great I didn't have my usual breakfast this morning so I, I actually do have a routine in the mornings mm-hmm. one having a lot of coffee Randy uh-huh. two I like to have those Belveda breakfast bars but I forgot to grab them this weekend, so I just had to grab something else from the pantry. And? So we'll see how this goes. What'd you grab? It's just like this really, I don't know, it's not that good. It's kind of just like a Fig Newton, basically. Okay. Yes. All right. Those Belvedas are, are, are good. I have that every single morning. You're like Nick Saban. You know Nick Saban has two uh, oatmeal cream, is it? Uh, not Dolly oh, Madison. He, he has, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I feel like I've seen that before. Matthew. Yeah. Like the little Debbie, like oatmeal cream pies? Yeah, that's those exactly. He has two of those every single morning. That's all he ever has. Those things are, yeah. those wow. are the greatest things associated with oatmeal. Yeah. So, oh, they're so good. So yes. you may or may not have heard that PSA before we got started about people that are hungry. So we just thought we would talk <laughs> breakfast with you a little. It made you hungry, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it did. Hungry for some NFL talk. NFL talk to uh, college football's championship is tonight here on 101 ESPN pregame at 530 Michigan and Washington. We're going to talk to our friend, our town's Dan Deardorff about that game coming up at 915. We're also going to talk to Chris Kerber later in the show. And it was a busy weekend and uh, we'll get started with our St. Louis Blues, who, oh, by the way, if the playoffs started today, and this is a great roller coaster ride. If you're not on it, <laughs> hop on the Blues roller coaster with, with us, would you please? Because Sometimes they're four points out of the last playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're in the first wildcard playoff spot. As we start the morning, the Blues are tied for the second wildcard spot in points with Edmonton at 41. Edmonton's only played 36 games. The Blues have played 38. But as the Blues get ready to take on the Panthers tomorrow night, uh, they are essentially tied for the second wildcard spot after a 2-1 win at Carolina on Saturday in which the Blues snapped Carolina's five-game winning streak. You have to feel really excited about this team right now, Randy. It's unbelievable. Right? I, I, I'm still tiptoeing in, maybe a little bit, but I might be fully in on this right now. And I, and you were talking about the Blues being a roller coaster. Earlier in the season, when they were going up and down, up and down, you knew if they won a game, they were going to lose the next one. I liken the Blues to the Tower of Terror because that is whoa. just completely, whoa, up yeah. and down, up and down, up and down. Now... It feels like we're off the Tower of Terror and moving on to maybe a better roller coaster. I hope so. Knock on wood. No, a better roller coaster goes up and down more. Really? You think so? Does it do a little spin move? Yeah. In between there, too? Yeah, you go upside down at times. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one of those. Maybe one of those where it's an exciting feeling, not as much of the fear of going up and down, up and down. You have to feel good about the Blues right now and what they're able to do. Also, super excited to have the thunder from down under, Nathan Walker oh, scoring. Is back. That's exactly what you want from Are that you, fourth line, right? Okay, so Michelle hated the nickname Nadub. Are okay. you okay with Nadub? Oh, I love Nadub. Thank you. Yes, Good. yes, yes. So this is important. Nadub, yes. Yeah. The Aussie. 
Yeah. For him to score. That's what I wanted. Thunder from when, Down Under. I like that. We've got multiples. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could also be for something else that's out there. But still, sure. Thunder for down, from Down Under. Uh-huh. But <laughs> Rock was making I a face, so I feel like I should address that. I went that. to Vegas. I saw oh, the posters. Oh, yeah. you went to Vegas. I didn't and you see just the show. saw the posters. You How, didn't see the yeah. show. Yeah. How okay. was your weekend? <laughs> okay. He just saw the posters, Randy. <laughs> so that's all he did. So, Had no idea. Uh, Blues and Rally Saturday night. I'm going to get us out of that. Uh, <laughs> how is it that I'm the one getting us out of this, by I the way? I don't know. Whoopsie uh, daisy. So Nadab does score. Blue and Binner was sensational. He t- turned aside 29 of 30. Won one game through the three-on-three overtime period into the shootout. And we go to the fifth round of the shootout before one of the Blues' colder players wins it for him. Fifth round of the shootout. Shen. Ball of this feel good for him. Can he win it? In. Shootout. Deeks. Shoots. Score! The captain with a game winner in the shootout. A 2-1 to win on the road against the Hurricanes. And you can bring out the Zamboni. The boys are coming home for a homestand. They are coming home for a four-game homestand after that win. And, Brooke, we're going to talk about this later on in the program. But uh, here's what you got coming up. I don't know if uh, you've kind of taken a close look at the schedule. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it. The Panthers tomorrow have 52 points, tied for the third most, or they have the third most in the NHL. That's tomorrow. Thursday, the Rangers tied for the most overall points in the league. Saturday, the Bruins tied with the Rangers for the most overall points in the league. And then next Monday, to conclude the four-game homestand, the Flyers are uh, sitting there with the seventh most points in the National Hockey League. So this is a rugged portion of the schedule. Now, you you say you're on board. You've got buy-in, which the players need. Do you have a buy-in for this Blues team against that schedule? Against that schedule? That's going to be a very tough schedule. But at this point, the way that you've already started off with this schedule, mm-hmm. I think it's encouraging. They're already doing things that we wish that they would have done earlier in this season. When we were talking about the up and down. And I don't like that Craig Berube is fired, but we talked about this. This is just seems to be the way that the NHL goes. The players even know mm-hmm. it, where you just have this coaching carousel where the, after a few years, the message goes stale. You have to bring in a new voice. And it seems like Drew Bannister, with his familiarity mm-hmm. with these young players, knows how to at least get the most out of him, or at least where they feel a little bit more comfortable with this message. I don't doubt that the message is any different than Craig Bruby's. No. Do you think so? No, I don't think so. But maybe Drew Bannister and uh, Robert Thomas has brought this. Maybe, maybe just the more quiet demeanor has more of an effect yeah. on this group of players. I thought it was really interesting when in Bannister's, I think it was his opening press conference, when he talked about effort, he said in all of his years of coaching, he could count on one hand the number of times that he wasn't satisfied with his team's effort. And with the Blues, Mike Yo, we heard mm-hmm. that. Heck, we heard that six times in a row. <laughs> and Baruby, we certainly heard it a lot this year. We yeah. need, oh, and last year. We need more compete. We need more compete. So far, the Blues have played very hard for Drew Bannister. So good for him and good for them. A brutal weekend in college basketball in the area. We don't need to go too in-depth here. But SLU lost to George Mason, 79-67. The Billikens now 7-8, and 0-2 in the A-10. Mizzou loses their SEC opener to Georgia, 75 to 68 and Purdue hammered Illinois uh, number one Purdue beating number nine Illinois 83-78 on Friday wasn't that close it was a 21 point game in the yeah. second half and Illinois uh, scrapped back to get within five so a uh, bad night of college a uh, bad weekend of college basketball here Rock you look so disappointed yeah, one is. because that I mean, was this not is a fun weekend of college play. basketball yeah. yeah that was that was there was 
I found very little joy in, in the sport of college basketball no. over the weekend, which is good because I feel like there's just there's something in the universe that stops me from really enjoying college basketball until college football's over. Makes sense. Makes so sense. I think that's what it is. Yep. Speaking of college football, Mizzou defensive coordinator. If you if you weren't around for the Friday night uh, information dump, Mizzou mm-hmm. defensive coordinator Blake Baker left for LSU. Uh, three-year contract, seven and a half million dollars, two and a half a year. Pete Thamel of ESPN saying that's the highest-paid assistant coach in all of college football. So congratulations to to Blakey. Brady, I think you're the only one clapping for that. What am I supposed to believe anymore? I sat here and I read you guys that quote that Baker had just a week mm-hmm. prior talking about how much he loves it here mm-hmm. at Mizzou and how much he loves and feels like they have unfinished business mm-hmm. with Mizzou football. And so quickly, it wasn't. It didn't even feel like a day that those rumors started. No. He is gone. What am I supposed to believe anymore, Randy? Well, in college football with coaching, don't believe anything. <laughs> don't, last year, Hugh Freeze signed an extension with Liberty in early December and in late December he took the Auburn job. Mm-hmm. Th- those contracts aren't worth the paper that they're written on. Eli Drinkwitz had a long-term contract at Appalachian State and Mizzou took him. It's just part and parcel of what we go through. You know, I, sh- I should have looked deeper. When when Blake Baker tweeted out the Jordan Belfort, I'm not, uh-huh. I'm uh-huh. not effing uh-huh. leaving me. Yep. me. I, I should have then remembered, oh yeah, Eventually, Jordan Belfort does get arrested. Yeah, <laughs> and it, does, it does come to an end. Have to leave. Here's the thing: What happens next year if Mizzou is good? One, one of two things happens next year: either Mizzou is good again and Baker mm-hmm. leaves to become a head coach, or Mizzou is bad and they get rid of him, like they did with Steve Wilkes and the the defensive exactly. coordinator the first year. That's, that's what happens. That's in the risk football. reward because if they're good next year, you're right. He's he's a head coach yeah. somewhere. And if he, if they're not, he, he's on the, on the hot seat. So uh, he's gone, and I guess that uh, Eli is going to look around before promoting DJ Smith to the only defensive coordinator here. By the way, it was uh, the current coach at Purdue, Ryan Walters, that was the first year defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and uh, Drink had no problem pushing him out the door either. No, it, it seems like it would make sense that DJ Smith would get the role, consider that they elevated his title to co-defensive coordinator. That would seem like you would just take away the co, and now he's your new defensive coordinator. But when you look at his resume, not that there's anything wrong with promoting from within, but he hasn't had that experience yet mm-hmm. as a defensive coordinator. But at the same time, if you want that continuity of that, then it makes a lot of sense. Right. But do you have any concerns with him not having held that role before? And he was at Appalachian State with Eli yeah. prior. I don't. Uh, I'm not. I'm not that concerned. Baker had. Well, I guess Baker had. But you got to start at some point. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not that bothered by it. But I, I would be surprised if Eli, because his recent history. I mean, bringing in Steve Wilkes, a former NFL guy, yes. and Baker had been a defensive coordinator. I, I will not be surprised if Eli brings in a guy with defensive coordinating experience. And there's a lot of guys out there. Yeah. And and this is an attractive place to be now. The, according to Gabe DeArmond, Mizzou was ready to come close to matching the $2.5 million a year for Baker. So they're paying. They're good. Mm-hmm. Apparently a great guy to work with and for in Eli Drinkwitz. The culture the is there. The team so, playoff yeah. format now that you know that right. Mizzou actually has a clear path yep. to that. And they're paying. They're, they're getting players. I mean, you got the, the top defensive player in the country. Mm-hmm. You recruited him. So I think things are pretty good there. Yeah. And uh, finally from the weekend... Uh, over the course of the 2023 baseball season, <laughs> Brooke Grimsley had a lot of favorites. Oscar Mercado was one of her favorites. I don't know if I said Oscar. I think you but might yeah, have. But yeah, he was, he was nice. Yeah, yeah. He, he was going to get going. But her <laughs> absolute favorite was Richie Palacios. Left-handed hitter. Had a great year. Thought he was going to be 
part of the Cardinal outfield mix, but he got traded to Tampa Bay on Friday for a right-handed reliever named Andrew Kittredge. And Brooke is kind of crying right now because Richie is is gone. Oh, Richie. We barely knew you. No, really. We barely <laughs> knew you. We we barely got to see you. But Randy, in that limited time that we did get to see him, I will say that it was exciting during a period of time when there was not much exciting going on with the St. Louis mm-hmm. Cardinals, as we know. So it was nice having him around. But honestly, with this trade, I feel like the Cardinals got a good deal out of this. I love this trade. Yeah, with Andrew Kittredge, the fact that you were able to get Richie Palacios, one, for cash from Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. And that they were able to flip that around into now a trade where you're getting a big piece or possibly a big piece for your bullpen. And we've been talking about how you still need that veteran presence. Mm-hmm. That felt like the missing piece for this bullpen. I like it. I, I like it too. And I always go back to when the Cardinals traded for Paul Goldschmidt and <laughs> Bill DeWitt Jr. said, he is the perfect Cardinal. Yeah. And Andrew Kittredge is kind of the perfect Cardinal. Why is that, you think? Well, Brooke, uh, number one, he's been quoted as saying he pitches for the Lord. Oh, which is there important. You go. Yes. That, that's important. And as a youngster. That strikeout brought to you yeah. by Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he, he gets us. Uh, and the other thing about uh, Andrew, in addition to having great stuff and in his all-star year, had a 9.7 strikeout to uh, innings pitch ratio, strikeout per nine. Uh, as a kid, as a young young man, mm-hmm. as a lad, Andrew Kittredge went to church every single Sunday. Twice. Twice? Mm-hmm. He is doubly blessed. He is. So that's the kind of guy we want on our team. And Matthew's looking at me like, no, no. How nope. did they? How did they never trade for this guy when Wayno was on the team? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, it makes sense. I'm, I'm excited about having him on the team. I think that he's going to be a great fit on and off the field for the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Was he pitching in 2013? No. Well, okay. somewhere he, he probably was. All right. I was just going to say he is I'm going surpri- to be. I, now I should bring this up hmm? because a lot of people on social media, Randy, were talking about the age because we are adding another 34 year old. I think he's 34, or he's about to be. Let me see really quickly. I think he's about to turn 34. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think he is going to be 34. In uh, March? Yeah, in March. I, I'm and, and he's coming off Tommy John. Yes. It's different for me when you have a reliever, and you can spot him and pick, pick and choose the mm-hmm. points at which you're going to use him, rather than counting on a starter to give you six or seven innings every fifth day. Yes. So I'm, I, I, I like the guy, and uh, 6'1", 230. And I like the trade because I don't think Richie Palacios was going to do much here unless there, there were injuries. A role for him. Right. So I, I'm credit to the Cardinals for getting that that veteran relief pitcher that we thought they would have to get in free agency. Yeah. Well, and then you do have a little bit. It gives you a little pause when you hear Cardinals, Rays, trading an outfielder all in a sentence. Yeah. That, right? Yeah. But I think what's different here is, one, Richie Palacios wasn't like Randy Rosarina, that he was in the Cardinals system where they had a little bit more of a chance mm-hmm. to get some looks at him prior. Once again, you got him from Cleveland, and you were able to have really just turn a great month from him into a trade, yeah. so which I'm, there's a lot of value in that. I'm good with it. And he will play regularly for Tampa Bay, by the way. 2013, Andrew Kittredge playing for Adelaide uh, in the uh, Australian Baseball League. How about that? I'm surprised oh. Matheny never found him. Yeah. Oh, that is kind of surprising. <laughs> then he played also in 2013 in A-ball, d- AA, and AAA. So that's where 
he made his move with the the Mariners. Uh, well, I don't know. Had a 6.39 ERA in those three spots, but uh, that's that's different. Was an all-star a couple of years ago. Had Tommy John off of Tommy John and Andrew Kittredge, now a member of your Cardinals. By the way, next weekend you've got the winter warm-up. You can probably get Andrew Kittredge uh, autographs. Just go to cardinals.com and sign up for uh, the winter warm-up there. And then the baseball writers' dinner is next Sunday night. Yes, Matthew. I thought of a new game show that we can do in St. Louis this year. Mm-hmm. We call mm-hmm. it Parish Wars. And we do a little game show to decide which parish gets Andrew Kittredge. Oh, I like this a lot. Okay. Parish wars. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, there's never been a war fought over religion before, so (laughs) this will be something new. (laughs) Um, Parish kerfuffle? <laughs> uh, you, you know, br- brouhaha. Compares brouhaha. brouhaha. Yes, that, is, that is very much a brouhaha. There we go. Coming up, we've got three things we loved about the weekend from 101 ESPN and the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <laughs> Time for three things we loved about the weekend here on the opening drive. Number three. My number three, and I mentioned this earlier, but I'm very excited about it. I'm a huge Nathan Walker fan, and he brought the thunder from down under, Randy, this weekend <laughs> when he was able to score. You're not. Ex- <laughs> I love how much you. <laughs> you're getting a kick out of this oh, now, yeah. aren't you? I like it, yeah. Nadub. 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 There you the go. Down under. I'm a big fan of Nathan Walker and what he's able to do. And this is what I was talking about. When you were recalling guys from Springfield, I've been waiting for somebody to bring that spark, that energy. Somebody that is showing you, yes, I know I'm not going to, maybe I'm going to be on that fourth line. It's going to be limited. You're going to see me 10-ish minutes, but I'm going to make sure that you really notice me in those 10 minutes. And for Nathan Walker to get that goal was just a very exciting moment. I thought it was huge for the Blues, and it was a big part of them eventually beating the Canes. And I'm in the Blues game as well for my number three. Braden Chen tries so hard, and mm-hmm. he's been struggling, denting the, the score sheet lately. But in the dramatic fashion that he scored the winner in the fifth round of the shootout, I was so glad that he got rewarded and was able to be surrounded by his teammates when the Blues got a win. Because, man, it's it's tough, especially when you aren't being rewarded for effort. And I, there are very few players on this team that I, you can say they provided consistent effort throughout the year. Pareko and Falk, when, when he's been playing, I think that you can put Jake Neighbors in that class, and I think you can put Braden Shen in that class, and, and Thomas. But there aren't many guys on this team where you can say, okay, they provided effort regardless regardless of who the coach was all year long. The captain has been one of those guys, and I was really happy to see him get rewarded. So that was one of my favorite things to see all weekend. Number two. My number two is going to be Team USA winning gold in the World Junior Championship. Team USA. Stand up for America, everybody. Don't you feel that patriotism? I do. Just pouring through right now. And... That's what was on YouTube, guys. That's what was on YouTube, okay? (laughs) Patriotism, all right? That's what we're talking about here. But Team USA winning gold. Jimmy Snugrood, Randy, I know you've talked about him a lot, too. Snuggy. We are very excited to eventually see him up here with the Blues. He's, of course, a part of Team USA. But seven Blues players contributing in the World Junior Championship is a great showing for the Blues and showcases, too, how bright their future is. So, a big props to Doug Armstrong and Tim Taylor, who were able to really scout out that young talent. 2028 Stanley Cup champs, or do you, are you going 27? Let's do 2027. Okay, 2027. When do you think that Jimmy Snuggerud will be up here? Next year, at some yes. point. Uh, and obviously you're going to have Hofer uh, at that point when you win the Cup. Hofer is going to be your goaler, mm-hmm. right? 
uh, and you're going to have Theo Lindgren, and you're going to... Pareko will still be around. He'll be under contract, but you'll have your kids still. You'll have Kairou and Thomas. And Pareko will be your Bowmeister. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's going to be awesome to win the Cup in 2027. Mm-hmm. Another Stanley Cup parade. Yeah, that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. The Stanley, Stanley Cup would be fun. Uh, Brooke, my number two is waking up to snow on oh. Saturday morning and saying, you know what? This is a perfect weekend to sit around, use my blues snuggie, watch <laughs> football, be lazy, and just enjoy the weekend of the NFL. I was the quintessential American over the course of this weekend. I was dozing off during football games, and when I was awake, I was eating bad food. Mm. So, and it was cold outside, and I wasn't going outside. So it was it was absolutely perfect. I enjoyed it immensely. I enjoyed that it actually snowed too. I feel like when it's cold, I I at least want some snow to complement it, right? Then mm-hmm. you can get the fire going. You're relaxing, and even though you're supposed to start the year eating healthy. Randy, I haven't done a good job of that either. Because when when it is cold like that, it snows. You just want to stay inside and eat cookies, essentially, with hot chocolate. I had some hot chocolate this weekend. Mm. I did. That's delicious. Yeah, it was hot cocoa, as they say in the the old Hallmark movies. (laughs) Number one. My number one is the Tennessee Titans beating Mm. their rivals, the Jags, this weekend. And... It's the in no. There was no playoffs. Okay, you don't have to mention that, Rock. <laughs> My bad, sorry. Thank you. But either way, you're welcome, Steelers fans, for the Titans beating the Jags this weekend. That actually helped you guys, and it also helped the Bills too. So there was a lot of people should who should be thanking a Titans fan today, including myself. But it was also the end of possibly an era. One, we said goodbye to Ryan Tannehill. Obviously, he is not coming back because they're not going to spend that kind of money again. But also possibly saying goodbye to Derrick Henry and what a game it was for him to if that was his last game as a Titan I was so excited to see it go out in that way 153 yards including I don't know if you saw that 69 yarder and then that 18 yard touchdown as well that was such a great game for Derrick Henry to go out on and he spent so much time he took the mic after the game and thanked the fans at Nissan Stadium thank you for the greatest eight years of my life, the ups and the downs. Y'all been there for everything through the adversity. Watch me grow as a person and a player, always supporting me. Um, I love y'all. Uh, I love seeing the 22s in the stadium. Hopefully I was an inspiration to all the young kids and everybody in the community. Just thank y'all so much. Man, God is good. And tighten up, baby. miss you, Derek. Oh. I know that there is always a possibility he could return, but let's just be honest. He's probably not going to return. And I enjoyed Derek Henry a lot. Me too. I, I enjoyed watching him. I enjoyed watching him with the Titans and everything he was able to do. He was like smash and dash all in one. And that's not just me saying that. Chris Johnson literally yeah. said that about <laughs> Derek Henry. So um, very grateful. He also did a lot of stuff in the community outside of football. And he even had another speech, Randy, where he did this even longer speech where he thanked even like the cooks, everybody who's helped them behind the scenes. And the fact that he even knows all those people. And then he went outside and signed autographs mm-hmm. for a long time. That's so, cool. What a class guy. Yeah. Why, do, why does every sport, sports speech that has the reverberation now sound cooler? Hello. It hello, does. Hello. I believe <laughs> yeah. I am. 
Luckiest, Luckiest man. man. <laughs> now, just because of that now, every time there's a reverberation yeah. in stadium, it just it, makes the sports yeah. speech sound ten times cooler. Credit to Billy Crystal. He's the one that did the, the, the Lou Gehrig speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, before I get to my number one, earlier this morning, two minutes after midnight, Arthur Smith was fired by the Falcons, and now the commanders have fired Ron Rivera. Oh. No surprise there. Former... Warriors GM Bob Myers and former Vikings GM Rick Spielman are going to assist in the search for a new head coach there. Uh, Brooke, my number one, sure, I had some disappointment over the weekend. I'm a Arizona Cardinal fan, and they suffered a heartbreak losing on a missed field goal at the end. I hated seeing the Rams win. I hated seeing the Cowboys win. Mm -hmm. However, Bill Belichick went out, I hope, in disaster. (laughs) And a loss to the Jets. And not just... A loss to the Jets, mm-hmm. but a 17-3 to loss to the hapless Jets. The only team more hapless in the NFL than the Jets this year, the hapless Patriots. Well, I guess you could throw the Panthers in there. But for Bill Belichick to helm one of the three worst offenses in the league was delicious for me. And I really enjoyed <laughs> watching that game unfold and seeing as the offense sputtered through the entire game that they had absolutely no chance to win. They were never in position to score. Mm -hmm. They wound up being outgained by the Jets. They were outgained by the Jets finishing with the the Patriots finished with 119 total yards. (laughs) My God. Yeah. uh, So uh, there's more to it. They passed for 31. Oh, wow. They they rushed for 88. Mm. Uh, mm. What a way for Billy to go out! I bet, <laughs> I'll bet he wishes he would have had Tom Brady. He might have even won the game, but he had Tom Brady. Oh, sorry, BW. That's uh, uh, or, or BB. That's what that's what happens. Uh, that's that's called karma. When you cheat to score a bunch at some point, when you can't cheat anymore and you don't have Tom Brady on your side, mm-hmm. it's not going to work for you. No, it's uh, definitely a terrible way to go out. And he had a press conference there. He really didn't say much. No, this morning, like uh, 45 minutes ago, he had a press conference saying, I'm going to meet with the players, going to meet with Robert. I don't know why he did it at 745, but he did. And there was nothing to see there. He didn't do like one little, if this is it. Thank you. He did not do the Derrick Henry. He, mm. he wasn't classy in thanking the fans or anything like that, just, <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Randy, you were so delighted right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was my number one thing of the weekend. It was, it was good to see. Uh, and that is what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, four downs from week 18 in the NFL here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
the 18th and final week of the NFL season, and we have four downs for you. First down. Brooke. Mine is going to be, we're going to go with a theme here. Young quarterbacks, first-year starters with their backs against the wall and how they handle clutch moments. So we're going to start out with C.J. Shroud with the Texans. If you guys saw, Houston beat Indy this weekend, 23-19. to And no, we're not going to talk about that fateful drop by Tyler Godson. I don't want to hear anything about that. One, can we just talk about just – okay, I'll talk about it real quick. Why wouldn't you have gone to either Jonathan Taylor or Zach Moss in that situation? I have no idea what they were thinking there. Anyways – Good for the Texans because they were able to come out on top. C.J. Stroud is so exciting to watch this season, Randy. And I know it's been up and down, and I rag on the AFC South all the time, and rightfully so, being a fan of the Titans, I've seen some really bad stuff with the AFC South. But I've been saying this too, Randy. What the Texans are building around C.J. Stroud is so exciting. And it wasn't that long ago that there was even questions about his, I mean, I guess you could say football IQ with the mm-hmm. cognitive cognitive test that he went right. through and if he would even be able to handle all this. He looked cool as a cucumber. I would say that the way that he handled himself, especially in such an important game like that with his back against the wall, that it reminded me a lot of Joe Cool, Joe Burrow. And I'm talking about just the way that he just seemed so calm and collected in such a huge moment. And for D'Amico Ryans, you have a young rookie quarterback and rookie head coach. The fact that they were able to do this this season, I think, says a lot. And, Randy, I think a tell of a great quarterback or one that is developing into a great quarterback is he makes other guys better around him. Bingo. Think about your number one receiver right now in Collins. The Mm -hmm. way that he's really been able to elevate him. Huge game for him, by the way. Uh, this past weekend, but the way that he's been able to really elevate him and some of the other players around him, you can tell that they love playing for C.J. Stroud. So I think there's a lot of exciting things there with the Texans. And look, I know somebody's going to say, but Brooke, they're probably going to get bounced here in the first round. Um, would you rather be in the Texas Texans situation or in the Panthers situation right now? Because those were two very similar situations mm-hmm. where you have a young quarterback and you had a head coach that uh, was his first year and things have gone completely south with them i know that there's more ownership involved but the texans did this right they have and when you look at what bobby slowick is doing with stroud in the offense and you made the to me the biggest point i think is that stroud early on in his career is elevating players it's not mm-hmm. like he's got nico Andre... Collins. i mean yeah. look nico collins he was yeah. still trying to find his rhythm in the nfl and now he's your number one wide receiver right and that very first throw of the game the mm-hmm. the touchdown pass was perfectly placed stroud is something and he's the kind of personality you want as the face of your franchise too not only does he have it on the field but he has it off the field as well second down all right, Brooke, here is what Bears quarterback Justin Fields had to say yesterday when asked if he would like the Bears to commit to him as their franchise quarterback. Um, it would mean a lot, you know. Uh, I have a pretty good relationship with Ryan and you know, the guys upstairs, but you know, at the end of the day, this is a business, so you know, they have to make the tough decisions. And you know, my job is just to go out there and play my best. But um, you know, it would mean a lot just to you know, get that confirmation from them. And, um, just really send a message that they trust me to um, you know lead this team and you know be the quarterback for the Bears. Uh, Brooke, I have waffled on this, but I've made my decision, and <laughs> I've decided that if I'm the Bears, I'm going to trade Justin Fields and use the top pick in the draft on a quarterback that I like. I was one who thought they should keep Fields and build around him, yeah. but I've evolved, and here's why. 
Every quarterback gets paid. Daniel Jones got paid. $82 million guaranteed through 2026. He led them to the playoffs once, but after four years, we know he wasn't going to become elite. The Eagles paid Carson Wentz. The Titans t- took care of R- Ryan Tannehill. The Raiders paid Derek Carr. We knew all those guys weren't going to a Super Bowl, right? But we all knew that in their third year. Do any of us think Fields is a Super Bowl-quality quarterback? Conversely, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Brock Purdy, even Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott had at least proven they can win and play at a high level by the end of their third year. Fields has a career completion percentage of 60%. That's where he's been his entire career. He has 40 touchdowns, 30 interceptions for his career. That ratio hasn't gotten any better. And the Bears are 10-28 and 28 when he starts. So why, when you have a number one pick in the draft that you don't have to pay for four years, would you even set yourself up to give Fields the same kind of deal that guys like Jones and Wentz and Tannehill and Kyler Murray got? You shouldn't. One other thing, Ryan Poles, he mentioned, Justin Fields mentioned him, mm-hmm. the Bears general manager. He was the Chiefs' director of scouting when they drafted Patrick Mahomes. So if the Bears take Caleb Williams or Drake May and move fields, I'd be okay with that if I'm a Bears fan. Yeah, I also have been flip-flopping about this because I think we've talked about it all season that it wasn't the best situation for Justin Fields to be in. And you question the coaching, you question all the other things surrounding it. But at this point, and that's what we're talking about, a lot of the quarterbacks that you saw this weekend, I even think about Tua this weekend in that Bills Mm -hmm. and Dolphins game. I think that with the way that things went this weekend, you were able to see a lot of quarterbacks where you're looking at how they handled things in very clutch situations. Justin Fields knew what was on the line with this game. I think Mm -hmm. that they really were going to look at this to determine how they would go. And you mentioned the money factor, Randy. Outside of that, that's going to be the biggest thing, right? right? Because he would be owed quite a bit of money actually a good sum of money I You'd believe. You'd have to give him at least Daniel Jones type money. Exactly and so that's that's a lot of money and if everybody is saying that Caleb Williams is going to be a once in a generational type player I can't see many GMs passing up on that opportunity. No, no that's where I've come down on this. Third down. Staying with the young quarterback theme, first-year starter, Jordan Love has something special going with the Packers. The Packers were able to take down Justin Fields and the Bears this past weekend, and this is just such an exciting team to watch because of Jordan Love, the way that he's been able to progress since November. So we're talking about how important that these games are in November and December and now going into January. 20 touchdowns with just two interceptions, Randy, from November on. Amazing. I think that that says a lot about his growth. We talked about how he is a better quarterback with Aaron Jones in the backfield. You can sell, you can tell that. But it feels like everything's just clicking at the right time for the Packers. And they're another team that they're doing things the right way. You know that the NFL is a quarterback league, so they find a way to properly develop, and you have to give them a lot of credit for evaluating talent because Jordan Love looks like a great quarterback right now, and you're excited for this young Packers team and the way that they're able to do this. I wasn't expecting them to do that this season. I don't no. know. I don't know if many people were, honestly. You were hoping that, but I don't think anybody had the expectations with such a young team where you're turning the page into a new era that they would be able to accomplish this. And I sent you this stat last night, but I thought this was interesting. And he finished, Jordan Love finishes the regular season with 4,159 passing yards, 32 passing touchdowns. The other quarterbacks in the NFL history to exceed that in their first season as a full-time starter, Patrick Mahomes and Kurt Warner. He's something. And I guess the Packers do have it figured out. I'm trying to think of teams that have had three consecutive really good quarterbacks. And oh, my gosh. Love is showing that ability. Oh, like, especially for that length of time. Right. Favre, Rogers, Love. I think you can go back to Montana, Young, Jeff Garcia. 
But uh, Matthew, if you think of it, uh, weigh in here because there's he looks like Love looks like he's the real deal and making the playoffs. And you mentioned young, youngest playoff team since at least 1978. And yeah. I won't be surprised. I know Dallas has been great at home, but the guy doesn't turn the ball over. I won't be surprised at all if, and we know Mike McCarthy's playoff history, I mm-hmm. won't be surprised at all if Green Bay goes in there and knocks off Dallas. You're saying there's a history there of the Cowboys uh, getting yeah. bounced early yeah. on? Yeah. But also, when I was talking about C.J. Stroud, and I think the mark of a good tor- a quarterback or a good tell, that is, for a good quarterback, is the way that they're able to elevate the people around him. Mm-hmm. I think Jordan Love also does that when you're mentioning that young group. But also in that moment, that is a huge moment for the Packers. You know what's on the line. Jordan Love, he definitely appreciates the weight of the moment, but he didn't let it get too big for him. And I think that's another good marker for a good quarterback. Okay, you can pay for the next four years and give somebody the, the Daniel Jones contract. $82 million guaranteed, four years, 160. million. I'm giving your choice of Love or Fields to pay. Oh, Love. Me too. 100%. I am, I'm that way too. Yeah. Yep. All right, it's time for... Fourth Down. And Brooke, sometimes good teams fall off over the course of time, and sometimes they turn bad in an instant. Mm-hmm. The Eagles have turned bad oh. in an instant, <laughs> and I think I might know why and when. After okay. going to the Super Bowl last year, they obviously started ten and one this year, and after beating Buffalo in overtime to get to ten and one, they were crushed at home by the 49ers, forty-two to nineteen, and they've won one game since. The following week, Philly, after the loss to the 49ers, Philly allowed 33 to Dallas. They demoted defensive coordinator Sean Desai and promoted Matt Patricia. And the defense has been just as bad. Yesterday, the Eagles allowed one of the worst offenses in recent memory, the Giants, to put up 27 points and 415 yards. This is the Giants, people. Seems like the desperation of promoting Patricia was called for, but I'm guessing the real moment, the real moment, the Eagles fell off the cliff was when the Cardinals hired Philly defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon as their head coach. We just didn't know it at the time, but when the Eagles lost Jonathan Gannon, they lost their mojo. Mm, Yeah. Randy, for the past few weeks, I've been talking about the Eagles' defense, and I don't think that it's a good thing that when you demote Sean Desai and then you promote Matt Patricia, of all people, Mm -hmm. and things have just gotten worse since then defensively for the Eagles. I, I don't know what else you can say at this point for them, and where do they go from here? The way that they have just collapsed, I, don't, I think it's just been so shocking mm-hmm. to see it happen in this way. I would like to know what people see when they look at the resume of Matt Patricia that makes them think that their team or their unit is going to be better if they put him in charge. And the of fact it. that you promoted him. Yeah, right. You, promote, you know the guy. That He's was Sirianni who did that. So at this point, Randy, what do you think? What happens? Is Sirianni in the hot seat? Is this something that they should be looking at? Uh, it's interesting because Matthew uh, was looking at a poll this morning uh, on WIP. Yeah. WIP, until, 60% once thinks Sirianni should be fired. As we get ready for the playoffs, 60% of their people and after an 11 and 5, 11 and 6 season? 11 and 6. six. Yeah. Which, that, that, that's what makes you feel crazy talking about understand. that, right, is that they are 11 to 6 and 11 to 6 and they are going to the playoffs, but it's just the drop-off that you've seen as of late is very shocking because I don't know how yeah. you explain now, that. Now, hold on. They're being very reasonable. They have a lot of clips of Sirianni looking angry on the sidelines throughout the season, proving that he has lost the team. I think he always looks like that. I think he just has that face. One of the players talked to him after he yelled at the player, and obviously, as we know, 
just off lip reading. Obviously, oh. it was a very negative reaction by everyone involved, and the player doesn't oh, respect. Oh, everybody's it. a lip and reader. And the player now. doesn't. The player doesn't respect Syria anymore. I pulled that from the one clip I saw. And <laughs> I, I totally get where they're coming from in terms of looking angry on the sidelines because I remember as a kid uh, watching. Uh, you know, like how crazy Tom Landry would go when the Cowboys would score a touchdown and he'd be fist pumping and laughing and, and joking when things were going good. And then he would be like screaming at people. Tom Landry yeah. would be screaming at people when when things were going bad. I remember that. So, yeah, I, I can see why they would feel that way. Mm, yeah. You got to watch out for that. You know, mm-hmm. some people also just, you know, they have they call it resting bee face. Yeah. That's, some people just some have, people that. have that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there's never been a coach in the NFL that uh, looked no. angry on the sideline and succeeded. No, no. Because that means you lost the team, Brooke. Yeah, that, 100%. Mm-hmm. By the way, y'all freaked out and fired the coach who actually won y'all a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And how's that been going for you since? Yeah. You, you happy? Well, you feel good? Uh, you, and <laughs> the other guy who has won a couple and been to three after you fired him. You know, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I believe after a winning season. Yeah. Couldn't wait to get rid of him. Wow. Hmm. Pretty wild. That's four downs from the NFL. Coming up, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. With Brooke Grimsley and Matthew Rocchio, I'm Randy Carricker. It is time for Teoli here on 101 ESPN. We have the pregame for the national championship football game tonight, 530 here on 101 ESPN. Michigan taking on the Washington Huskies. And Brooke, take it or leave it, regardless of what happens tonight, by Friday, Jim Harbaugh will be an NFL head coach. Ooh. Oh, you know what? I don't know if the NFL can do that now. But uh, by the end, Regardless yeah, of the result. Yeah, yeah. yeah by, by the start of next season, Jim Harbaugh will be an NFL coach. Oh, I was thinking about this this weekend, if it would matter to him if they won or not. But I just feel like the decision's already made at this point. I'm going to take it. I think he's going to go to the NFL. I think he is, too. It just makes sense. It makes yeah. too much sense. Right. And I think there's a new rule in the NFL that you have to wait to interview coaches. So to comply with the Rooney rule, for example, the Chargers wouldn't be able to interview enough people to take care of those Mm -hmm. requirements before hiring Harbaugh this week. And the Chargers job specifically, I think that that would be too appealing for him to pass up. I think so too. It makes a lot of sense. And there's a lot of other job openings, but then when you hear everything that with the Chargers and what they have, that just seems like the perfect situation for him. It really does. Um, Former Cardinal, take it or leave it, former Cardinal Dakota Hudson, he signed with the Rockies this weekend. Mm. Take it or leave it. That might not be the best place for him to play. I at. will take that. Yes. I was trying to be nice about it. I yeah. was going to try to put it in nicer words, but I don't know what else to no. say. Coors is not exactly pitcher friendly. Well, and there isn't a worse organization. <laughs> and I, in you know, they put a lot into that. But still, uh, I was very surprised. So maybe. Probably his only offer. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing they have all the equipment in. 
in Denver that everybody else has, and their minor league systems have all the analytics equipment and the track man and stuff like that. Apparently, nobody knows how to use it. So uh, <laughs> it's a real problem for the Rockies. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of problems so, there, huh? Yeah, I, I have a nephew that pitched in their organization, and he had come from the Yankees, and there was another kid that came from the Nationals, and they're, I think they were at Double A, and they've got all this great new equipment, but the coaches had no idea how to use it. Well, these two kids, especially my nephew, who had been in the Yankees organization where they have all of this stuff, he was teaching coaches and other players how to use their equipment in the in the Colorado organization. Oh. Yeah, it was not good. You, and that's not cheap. That equipment's so, not cheap. No. And maybe Dakota Hudson knows enough. Maybe he can teach people. He's a nice guy. He is very nice. Uh, maybe he can teach people how to use it. And maybe that sinker will come back. Maybe he'll be the new Pedro Estacio. Hey, you never know. Yeah. Never say never. I'm not going to say never. I'm just going to say probably <laughs> never. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Unlikely. Yeah, Matthew, what do you got? Take it or leave it. Eric Bieniemy becomes the head coach of the Commanders. Leave it. Ooh. No, I think Josh Harris wants to go big. And my guess is, you know, growing up uh, a fan of Bill Belichick, I would think that he'll look in on Belichick and maybe offer a trade for Belichick. But... I think that uh, Josh Harris is going to try to go big here. Mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go after Harbaugh either. You know what? Here's the trade. You go, you go to the Patriots for for um, Belichick. Like Josh Dotson, <laughs> because here's the thing. you mm-hmm. got you got to get mm-hmm. rid of any good wide receivers before Belichick gets there. And the Patriots obviously yeah, have none. Good point. So I mm-hmm. think that's the trade. Yep. I, I mean, I'm not sure what you do McLaurin? with Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin. Those guys are... They're, you can they're, other places for them. Yeah, you trade them, obviously. And trade them for picks and then, then let uh, Belichick use the draft picks on receivers. Or tight ends. Yeah. <laughs> Jacoby Myers and, you know. It's, AJ you know, Jenkins. Yeah. They, they sp- actually, he, he spends money on tight ends That's and true, then right. they regress. Mm, yeah. Sounds like John a good John Smith, him. your old friend, friend John U. Smith. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry was oh, yeah. pretty good tight end before he got Former to the Razorback. Uh-huh. Take it or leave it. The Blues really need to win the four out of the next seven games to stay in playoff talk. I'm going to leave think, it uh, because there's so much time left. Yeah, there's so much time left. But I'm going to leave it, too. If they win four out of the next seven, I'm, I'm like, I have a different view of this team, not just like as a sneak in the playoff team. Like, I have a different view of like the base of this team and where they're going over the next like two years. Oh, yeah. If they win the next four mm-hmm. out of the next seven, like, it changes my opinion of, yeah. of this team in a, in a way. Do you guys, would you guys be happy with four points out of the next eight against the Panthers, Rangers, Bruins, and Flyers? Would you take four out of eight points there? Yeah. And then after that, you've got a home-and-home with Washington, and you've got Calgary. So you've got a really good chance, once you get out of this gauntlet, of winning those three. You should beat Washington is is bad right now, and you should beat them and should be able to handle Calgary on the road, granted. But I would say, yeah, four out of seven – Four out, if you if the Blues win four out of their next seven, they'll be in really good shape because their schedule does soften mm-hmm. up considerably after the next four. What is their home record this season? I'm going to see if I can find it's it. It's not real great. Quick. No. We'll, uh, but we'll be, you know, we. We, yes. We, we've been better under the uh, the new head coach. Uh, 12 and 6 at home. Okay. Not terrible, no. but not great. Take your leave it. The Blues <laughs> could win a round one playoff series with this squad. Depends on who they play, but yes. Goal baby. Yep. Yeah, you get you get bitter hot. Yeah. So uh if you would play I'm gonna take it. Just because there has been a lot of other weird things that have yeah. happened in the NHL this season. And I always think about Colorado and how mm-hmm. tough they are, but 
the way that the Blues actually handled them recently was encouraging. I know that things changed towards the end there, but still, I found that pretty encouraging. Top team in the West right now is Winnipeg. If the Blues <laughs> would be the last wild card team, heck yeah, the Blues could beat Winnipeg. All due respect. Yeah, the yeah. Blues could beat them. Uh, take it or leave it. The Jaguars have a decision to make. Trevor Lawrence is playing a lot like Justin Fields. I am going to leave that. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence has led his team to the playoffs mm-hmm. and to the edge of the playoffs this year. And I, I'm convinced that he's going to have to have surgery. I, I think he probably played the last five or six games hurt. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. I think that's been a big part of why the Jags have suffered here recently is because of that. Yeah. So I, I, I'm i going to leave that. He's, I, I don't, well, any decision they make will be how much they give him, but they love Trevor Lawrence. They in do. Jacksonville. Yes. And I'm going to have to leave it too, just because of that. But where, okay, Justin Fields, where do you think he would fit in? Um, Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Good put, call. Put him in the read option with Bijan. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be a great spot for him. And let's see, you look around the league, uh, probably not in the AFC. East. Well, the Patriots, depending on who their head coach is. Mm-hmm. Uh, not going to be in the North. They've got their guys. What about, I guess Levis is there in Tennessee. What about Denver? Would Peyton, would Sean Payton like Justin Fields? Well, here's my thing about Sean Payton. Raiders? Commanders? Somebody texted in Commanders. Yep, that'd be a good spot. They're desperate for a QB. Mm-hmm. How does Fields How does Fields work in a timing offense like that, like yeah. Peyton's? Sixty percent completion. Yeah, it's not. He likes to hold on to the ball and find and, and, yeah. and, and move a little bit. Not 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 necessarily yeah. like move out of the pocket, like Russell Wilson like kind of movement where it's yeah. within the pocket to kind of extend the play and then get the throw off after he's kind of made his second or third read. I just don't think he's got the speed and the timing to to really operate Peyton's offense. Would Pete Carroll like him? He, fe- yes. he fell out of That's love good. with Wilson, but mm-hmm. seems like Seattle would be another spot. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he just throw it off the DK, baby. Just throw yeah. off the DK yep. all day. Yeah. I, 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 Seattle's a good spot. Yeah. That There's looks lots a lot of options. So, I mean, this this could definitely change the story for Justin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Dennis Allen has completely lost control of his team. He said that the play call was the kneel, and the players called an audible to run up the score. I'll take oh. it. But you never say no to your offensive line. That's true. And yeah. the offensive line wanted to get Williams a, a touchdown. And whoever you are, whether you're a quarterback, running back, receiver, coach, you don't say no to your offensive line. No. So good for them. Good. They, they wanted to take care of a teammate. I would like that if I were Dennis Allen. I would like <laughs> I would the like fact. it, too. And I loved what Jameis said afterwards. That was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I, I have. I know Atlanta thought it was, well, hell, their coach got fired. Big can't? deal. But here's the thing. It, like, you're not supposed to be doing anybody any favors. You're supposed to be winning the game. And, and yeah. the final score is the final score. Either way, he was going to get fired, don't you think? Oh, yeah, he was. Regardless? Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? One of the worst. With Arthur Smith? Yeah. yeah. Not not one of the worst. But one of the things that you actually like to do. I, I get that they wanted to have uh, Williams score a touchdown. But I remember when the Rams beat the Niners here, ending the 17-game winning streak. They beat them 42-20, to and the Rams were so happy to show mercy on the Niners by kneeling at the one-yard line at the end of the game. Mm. It's kind of sometimes insulting. It's even be- yeah, it is. It's even better. I think, it's, I think yeah. it is no, more you, insulting. You don't yeah. give your enemy yeah. The, the, yeah. the actual, yeah. like, you don't, you don't actually kill him. You just you let him yeah. just we, know he failed. Yeah, yeah we, we, that, we don't want to do any more to you. 
We don't want to do any more. We've done enough. Oh, look how, That's more embarrassing. Look at the way yeah. the script yes. has flipped, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same old sorry-ass yep. Niners. Yep. <laughs> take it or leave it. Steve Wilkes deserve, deserves another head coaching job. I'll take that. I'll take it. Yeah, he he's done a really good job with the Cardinals that one year, one and done. That was unfair that they let him go. And then last year as the interim in Carolina. So absolutely. Thank mm-hmm. you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN. Cardinals got another thing they desperately needed. Is there more in the tank for Mo this offseason? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. On the day's top stories, it's the opening drive's fresh take. Six in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker, and the Cardinals with another thing that Brooke, I I think they desperately needed, and I think we're uh, in agreement here, in mm-hmm. that trade for Andrew Kittredge, they trade for the 34-year-old and give up Richie Palacios, but... Uh, Kittredge, a guy with an 18-7 and seven career record, 3.65 ERA in seven seasons, had an all-star season, and in that year, 57 games, a 1.88 ERA a couple of years ago. He has great stuff, and we wanted a guy who is good, has pitched on winning teams, has experience in winning. This guy was with that World Series team, with the, the Rays, and can be a source of knowledge and hopefully comfort for the young relievers on this Cardinal team. I think the Cardinals checked a lot of boxes with the trade for Andrew Kittredge. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because we've been talking about how this bullpen, it felt like they needed another veteran presence in there to really round out this group. Now you add in Andrew Kittredge, which we're going to talk about his 2021 season, which was fantastic prior to his Tommy John surgery. And if you do want to look at some positives, things that to like about the trade, one, the veteran presence to that 2021 season and he did have Tommy John but the fact that he was able to come back late last season and you were at least able if you look at the numbers get back to somewhat of form after having Tommy John I think that that's encouraging he came back in August I believe Mm -hmm. for the race Um, so those are some positives there and he's another medium to high leverage arm that you need in your bullpen We talked about some of the guys who were a part of this bullpen where you had some question marks. Now you add in some more depth where you aren't as worried about if it's a high leverage situation. Are we really going to have to go to Andre Pallante all the time? While Andre Pallante maybe Mm -hmm. hopefully figures it out this offseason and continues to grow, you have Kittredge now available. And I feel like it just really helps round out the bullpen. Now, maybe some things to give you pause would be anytime that you talk about the Rays, and a trade that involves an outfielder, that's where everybody, whoa, 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 what do the Rays know about this player that we don't know, right? Because it feels like they do a good job of this. But at the same time, the Rays also do not like to play pay their players. And so it makes sense. This is just what they typically do, where they try to flip guys, especially a pitcher. And the other thing that gives me pause is, of course, the Tommy John surgery, and he's turning 34. Now, it... What are your feelings on that? Is that something that you think is concerning? Because you've seen, I've seen a sample size of pitchers, what it's like after they return from Tommy John, but you've seen a lot more than I have. What are some of the good and bad of pitchers coming back from Tommy John? And he is a reliever, so I do think that helps. It seems to be now that after one Tommy John surgery, players come back with a pretty successful 
percentage of success. Now, Brad Thompson was never the same after his. Mm -hmm. But most guys now, and we're now 14 years removed from BT having his, the surgery seems to have become so routine and the rehab has become so routine, everybody knows how to rehab it, that I don't think it's an issue anymore. I, I really think that players understand what they're going through now because it's, it is such a routine in coming back. And he, he came back, spent all the time, and apparently his velocity was actually better last year when yeah. he came back, which happens. It's hard to throw hard when you have a torn UCL, right? Mm-hmm. And so he was healthy and it feels good. I really think that the reason that Tampa Bay made this move at this time is because he's going to be a free agent. And yes. th- they know that they can't keep him around. And they also are really good at finding pitchers and turning them into effective relievers. And they've got, if they have eight relievers, they have eight different looks that they're giving you. Guys with obviously different arms, left or right, but then different arm angles and motions that they provide you. They do a great job of never giving you the same look twice in Tampa Bay. So they'll find a a decent replacement at a good price for Andrew Kittredge, but the guy that they've already developed and have ready, that's what the Cardinals need. Yes, they they need guys who are ready, and that veteran presence is something that you need in the bullpen. And because of the Tommy John surgery, he's only pitched 31 innings over the span of the past two seasons. So when you hear that, you start to get concerned. But then if you do look at his numbers when he returned back, just that little sample size, it was encouraging after Tommy John. So hopefully it all works out. And I know that that's very triggering when I say hopefully, because nothing is ever guaranteed, especially when it comes to pitchers, but this is a move that makes sense. And the fact that with Richie Palacios, you guys know, big fan of Richie Palacios. He's great, great personality. I felt like he brought a lot of that personality that was just needed. We talked about how it was just a team full of Boy Scouts last season, and Richie brought that flair, that swag that you just kind of miss. And he was about the only exciting thing to watch towards Mm -hmm. the end of the Cardinals season after things were just already imploding. And the fact, though, that the Cardinals were able to essentially... It was one good month from him. Also, numbers that you, if you look at him prior, those were not normal numbers for him of what he was able to do offensively. And he was very versatile defensively as well. But the fact that they were able to turn one good month into this trade into another need, I think you have to be happy with the trade. Uh, One set of numbers that does jump out to me here with Kidridge is that in that 2021 All-Star season, he had 57 appearances. 24 of those appearances were longer than an inning, and 12 of those 24 were two full innings. And last, and then the, the previous year, he only did that four times out of his 17 starts before or appearances before his injury. And last year, as they were working him back, obviously, we didn't see a single one of those appearances. They were all an inning or less. And I'm not saying that's crazy for the Rays. I'm just wondering, has is that something that he's going to be able to do again, which is those two mm. inning appearances, those 1.2s. Is that something that he's going to be able to do again three years removed from consistently doing it and being two years removed from doing it at all? That's my big question because that's the kind of reliever that the Cardinals haven't had over the last two years, and it's been problematic. Here's my <laughs> thought process there. Number one, one of the reasons that they signed the three pitchers that they signed is to give them innings and prevent them from needing a reliever to go two innings. Yeah. You should be able to, on more nights than not, have your setup be that you have three innings and nine outs to get from your bullpen. Uh, the The other part of this is with Ali Marmol, he really, uh, aside from s- certain guys, hasn't shown that propensity. I don't know that the Cardinals will need that from Kittredge because their sixth starter is going to be at the major league level, whether it's mm-hmm. Mats or... Uh, Thompson, right? So yes. to me, that should be your multi-inning reliever. 
a hundred percent. And we're already getting some texts in, Randy, where I brought up the concerns about we've been here and done that with the race. Someone from the three one four said, I don't care how good the guy may have been while he was in Tampa. I don't like trading with the Rays because I always feel like they screw the Cardinals. Well, in in one trade they have, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's I'm trying to think of the other ones that have happened with the Rays. I don't, I, Tino Martinez, that, that, that actually worked out well for the Cardinals. Uh, they had to pay part of his salary, but he didn't wind up being great. I don't, I'm, I'm not remembering a lot of trades with the Rays that the Cardinals have had. So I I'm, think the Randy Rosarita thing will always bite you. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah, but you just, you, you just can't make that judgment. I, I know it's hard because of that one deal, but you can't make that judgment with yes. one trade. Prior to that, it was pretty much only the, yeah, it was Tino Martinez and it was Tommy Pham. Okay, yeah. And Tommy Pham actually got Henesis Cabrera out of that, right? Yeah, he got Henesis Cabrera, yeah. I mean, those are the only real, those, and then, and then you have the Ozuna trade. Those, I mean, not the Ozuna trade, the, um, the, the pitchers going there. Um, yeah, those are the only trades. Yeah, so not too bad. Uh, one other note here, by the way, about Andrew Kittredge, and mm-hmm. we mentioned this earlier, but I think it's worth noting. Of course. Because, because the Cardinals do have. Uh, a rather God-fearing clubhouse. And Andrew Kittredge grew up uh, with a great deal of faith. And when he, when he was a kid, Brooke, he uh, went to church twice every Sunday. So uh, that's... He, Doubly he, blessed. Yeah, he's got that going for him, which is nice. Doubly blessed. Uh-huh. I thought going to church three times a week was was a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. But twice in the same day, is, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Twice a day? Yep. Three yep. times a week? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd rather go three times a week than twice a day. I'll say it that. makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense yeah. as so to why this works out. He'll be, yes. he'll be a great fit here from that standpoint as mm-hmm. well. Yes. So good for the Cardinals. Good good get for the Redbirds, at least in my opinion. It's, you know, it's, not, it's not terrible. No, it makes sense to me. Yeah, it, that's it, it makes thing. sense. Sensible move. Yeah. Yes. Coming up, we're going to talk to Chris Kerber here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke and Randy on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And we go to the celebrity line now. Our friend, the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, joins us. He's back from Carolina, where the Blues came away with a 2 1 <laughs> shootout victory over the Hurricanes. Kerbs, good morning. How are you doing? Randy, I'm good this morning. How are you? We're doing well, and uh, this team is playing great, aren't they? You know what? They're, they're, they're playing as a team. They're finding a way to win some close games. Uh, they're in a stretch of hockey, Randy, where eight of the nine games that they are playing are against teams that are one, two, or three in their respective divisions. Now, every one of them, until you get to Philadelphia at the end of this homestand, uh, is top two for obviously Pittsburgh that they lost to. But against you know, against uh, Dallas, Colorado, Vancouver, and Carolina, those are first or second place teams in their division, and they've gone three and one. So sixth time this season, they've climbed themselves back to three games over 500. Uh, it's going to be a tough task against Florida tomorrow to get to that elusive four-game mark over 500 um, as an overall record, but, uh, but they're there. So tied with the Edmonton Oilers in the standings, you know, for uh, the second wild card spot, though Edmonton has two games in hand and and have been uh, the best team in the league really since 
Thanksgiving. I think they're 15 and three. There's a lot going on, but uh, they're they're keeping themselves in the battle. Curbs, we're going to call you right back. We've got something going on with our phone line or your phone line, so we're going to call Chris okay. Kerber right back, and uh, we'll get him back. By the way, the Blues tomorrow night with a 6 o'clock pregame against the aforementioned Panthers, 7 o'clock faceoff, and then on Thursday night, you've got the Rangers in town. That's a 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff, and then Saturday night, the Bruins, and so you've got the team with, uh, I had it here, the, well, the two teams with the tied for the best, most points in the league, Rangers and Bruins, and the Panthers are in the top five in the league. So there's a, it's going to be a tough, tough go for the Blues here it in is terms of the schedule that they're playing. Yes, 100%. Do you think at this point, Drew Bannister, with what he's been able to do, that he has really almost secured this job in a sense? It's a great question. I don't know. Chris Kerber is back oh, with is us. is he back? Kerbs, yeah. would you like to weigh, on with, weigh in on that one? Yeah, you have the. Uh, they they put me on about halfway through that, so you've got to uh, catch me up. Of course, we were just talking about how encouraging it is the way that the Blues are performing under Drew Bannister. At what point do you think, especially during this, we're talking about that tough stretch of games? Do you think that there's anything that maybe Army will see here that will say, "Yes, we need to take that interim tag off to off of Drew Bannister." Yeah, you know what? Uh, I would I would say, of course. You know, if, if you continue to play well against these top teams and, and how the second half of the season goes, you know, I, I don't – when I'm referring to Drew Bannister on the air and these things, I, I don't and I don't know if I should be doing, you know, the interim tag or not. I, I've never put it set interim. And the reason is is because a head coach, unless you know it's like really short term, like, you know, if you had that, that Jimmy Roberts fill-in, right, or – that Bobby Plager filling, uh, to, to me, the guy's the head coach of the team until he's not the head coach of the team. So uh, he's he's got the opportunity right now that nobody else does, and that is to try to get this team to perform to certain levels, to get this team to perform to expectations of the general manager, to hold the accountability factor and those other things that uh, that Doug Armstrong is looking for. He's got the best opportunity now because at the moment, he, he's got the job. So I, I don't know how that will all play out, Brooke, but, yeah, every time he gets a win against big teams like this, you know, and I, and I was saying I know we were having some some bright issues there apparently on the phone line in that first question, but if, if you know, while the team has not hit that four-game over 500 mark this season, they have played four games over 500 under Drew Bannister. So it's just how you climb to it and keep yourself in it to play meaningful games. And right now I, I, I've got to think that he's done a job that Doug Armstrong's got to be pretty happy with. Curbs, we've always expected since Robert Thomas arrived on the scene that he would be at least a point-a-game guy. He's got 41 <laughs> points in 38 games. He's made his way to the All-Star game. Last week, Drew Bannister talked about how happy he is with his defense. And it's interesting because Robert has ascended. This has been a process. It's not an event. But Robert Thomas is a legit all-star. He's He is a, a really, really good player now in the NHL, isn't he? Randy, he's not just a legit all-star. He's a legit candidate for the Selkie Trophy. And, uh, and, and the good news for all these forwards that uh, are vying for the Selkie Trophy, Bergeron is gone. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You know, so and and Bergeron earned it, but it's also a bit of a reputation award, and it can be a hard group to jump into. And if you look at what Robert Thomas's numbers look like right now, they actually pace out to be better than what Ryan O'Reilly's numbers were when Ryan O'Reilly won the Selkie in that eighteen nineteen season. Uh, he's part of your top penalty killing. He's part of your top power play, which 
probably we shouldn't brag about at the moment. You know, <laughs> and he's, and he, you know, but he's, but he is getting those minutes. Uh, and and on a team that's fighting to find consistency, he's over a point a game. He's he's been elite. And and I said this in, in one of my takeaways of, of the last curbside podcast uh, after that game in Carolina. There's more to get from his line mates. There's a lot more to get in terms of consistency and play from Jordan Cairo. And there's more consistency to get from Pavel Butchnevich. And Pavel Butchnevich after that Carolina game was even saying that, uh, that, that Robert Thomas should be in the Selkie consideration. So imagine where his numbers could be if the power play was going, or if there was just a little more consistency with, with two line mates there and um, his season would look even better. But yeah, he's, He's moved himself into – and then, most importantly, guys, uh, look at how his matchups in the last five games against these tough opponents, the, the Blues are not letting the other team's top players smoke them, and mm-hmm. that's part of the process. Well, at Curbs, I also wanted to ask you about this weekend, and we were talking about this earlier, the World Junior Championship, where you have Team USA winning gold. Your reaction to that, of course, Jimmy Snuggerud being a part of it, but really the representation from the Young Blues, seven players across the board in the World Juniors. What did you make of that, all that future and talent that you have coming up? Well, it's it, it's a best-on-best best tournament. For, for those that may not understand what the world juniors are, and it's, it's a lot bigger in, in other countries and around the world and th- than it is here in the United States in terms of the, the landscape and in front of mind of, of sports fans. But it's a best on best for uh, the junior age players, you know, those, uh, those, those 18-year-old players. And when you see the Blues prospects performing better than most at that level, that's a really good sign. A lot of players that play in the NHL that are impactful in the NHL have played in this tournament, you know, and, and to have seven players in it and then pretty much all seven have their teams do something and play a big role for their teams was, was really impressive. Jimmy Snuggerwood was great. Um, Otto Stenberg was great. Theo Lindstein, and, and great. I mean, they had three players in that gold medal game. So whether these guys come in and impact the team next year, whether they go back to their respective schools or leagues and play in this tournament again next year, um, that remains to be seen. But it is a good news and a good sign that prospects that are coming along the way for the St. Louis Blues are performing that well on that kind of stage. That, that's something to be very excited about. And Curbs, you mentioned earlier the, the Curbside pro, uh, podcast that you do after every Blues game, and uh, you, you can find it at 101ESPN.com, and you can find it on the app. But, man, it's great. It's great inf- information, and it's great kind of behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't always think about, and you're doing a great job with it. Yeah, thanks, Randy. You know what we do? We just put uh, – we, we give everybody – like it's, it's basically like the post-game show for the next morning if you happen to miss the game or part of it, or maybe you missed the broadcast, which I can't imagine why anybody would. But uh, <laughs> if – but if, but if you do, it's just so you get up in the morning and it's uh, typically we got it up there. Oh, I get it, I try to get it up there by about one or two in the morning. But if it's uh, by 6 a.m. for sure. And, and it's just a way to hear highlights and uh, some opinion. We always have Joe Vitale's breakdown and, you know, some other opinions and locker room sound for from the game the night before. So just a, a good, simple 15, 20-minute way to get caught up on something you might have missed. And I know that you uh, you share – my uh, just major hurt this morning for Bill Belichick. <laughs> I just uh, I, I I don't even know what to do. I've been distraught, um, and uh, I'm just going to go make some scrambled eggs and try to put it into perspective. <laughs> All right, Curbs. <laughs> Have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Have a great week. All right, thanks. Thanks, Thank man. You. Thank you. Yep.
See you later. That's our friend Chris Kerber on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight. Matthew, you need a fighter? Yep. We need a fighter. As so you, you can text in 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO with your name and the word fight. Text us and maybe you will fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Drive Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carricker and Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And we welcome in our fighter today, Steven. Steven, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing great. I, I was listening to Rock was asking you if it was Steven or Stefan. Do you get tired of that question? Uh, no, I prefer people ask, but I, I was telling <laughs> Rocchio that Stephen Curry's kind of ruined it for all the Stevens out there because oh, yeah. I saw I saw it with the PH and Oh. So, uh, yeah, but no, it's it's definitely Steven. Stephen, yeah, that makes my skin crawl. I asked the question because my, my older brother is also a Steven mm-hmm. with a PH, and he's same thing. And I, being a big Warriors fan, I'm a huge Steph Curry fan. My brother, or not, on the other hand, completely hates the man, and, and, and so does the Steven we have on the phone today. I didn't even think about how that yep. would affect things, yep. but you're right. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's telling Steven it. with a PH is an old school thing, mm-hmm. and, and, and then you teach everyone phonics, and now they're all like, well, it's a Stephen then. It's like, God bless it. I, no! I, I imagine it's got to be exhausting. <laughs> Steven. Oh, well, yeah. you know, the other thing, too, is anytime you go to a restaurant and they, you know, they ask your name, oh, it's no. like, I, I just want one time you to have the courage to put a PH because they always put the V and it's oh, like, yeah. oh, yep. you yes. chickened out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to get right here, Steven. All right. Are you ready to right. take on Randy in the fight? As ready as I'll ever be. Okay. Question number one. On this day in 2000, the Titans pulled off the Music City Miracle with their trick play kickoff return victory. Who caught the kickoff before handing it off to Frank Wycheck, rest in peace, who would throw the crucial lateral? Was it Eddie George, Derek Mason, or Lorenzo Neal? Lorenzo Neal. Bruce Suter said a new NHL, NHL, excuse me, that would be the Sutter brothers. <laughs> Bruce Suter in the NL said a new NL record for saves in 1984 with 45. Which future Cardinal would be the first to break that record with 47? Was that Jason Isringhausen, Lee Smith, or Jason Mott? Uh, I'll go Izzy, Jason Isringhausen. The last time the Huskies claimed a national championship was in 1991 when they finished number one in the coaches poll. Who finished number one in the AP poll and split the title with the Huskies? Was it Colorado, Miami, or Georgia Tech? Oh, gosh. Uh, Let's go Miami. All right, number four. There were a number of franchise records for fastest goals broken over the weekend. Which Blues Stanley Cup winning forward set the franchise record with a goal just eight seconds into a game? Was that Vladimir Tarasenko, Alexander Steen, or David Perron? Uh, I'll go uh, Steen, Perron, and who was the third? Tarasenko. Tarasenko. Uh, let's go Steen. All right, we'll double-check our scores, and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. All right, how are you feeling, Steven? 
Uh, not great. Not great. Well, it seems like I, you seem I know at least got, I know I got like two right, but I, that's, that's where I draw the line. Yeah, the you were your guesses. Uh, you rattled off Lorenzo Neal pretty quickly. Oh yeah, I, know, I, I knew that one. <laughs> yeah, that one. Um, we were talking about that earlier. It's hard to believe that it's been so long since that happened. Oh, Randy's back in here with his Propel. Yep, what is had, the flavor of the day? Grapes. Uh, grape. Oh. Great. It's a very grape-filled day for you today, huh? Yeah, grapes, grapes and, and grapes. grapes. <laughs> yeah. You're very lucky. Remember, that's the New Year's tradition. Are you ready oh to take God. on? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Our, I just got a segment yeah. idea. What? Gra- grapes and gripes. Randy just eats grapes while he complains about oh, stuff. Oh, our friend like uh, Kim Grant from our uh, 2060 digital department, as uh-huh. I was eating my grapes in the hallway, said, oh, nature's candy. And it really is nature's candy, isn't it? Oh. Grapes. Oh. They, and they yeah. have the cotton candy grapes, too. Mm, have you tried yeah. those? Those are delicious. delicious. Yeah. All right. Well, you are facing Stephen today. Say hi to Stephen, Randy. Stephen, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right. You ready to take him on today, Randy? Ready. Question number one. On this day in 2000, the Titans pulled off the Music City Miracle Mm -hmm. with their trick play kickoff return victory. Who caught the kickoff before handing it off to Frank Wycheck, rest in peace, who would throw the crucial lateral? Uh, R.I.P. Yeah, Frank. Uh, Threw it to Derek Mason, right? But the original uh, squib kick from the Bills was, I believe, picked up by number 41. Lorenzo Neal. And then Wycheck made his forward pass. Bruce Suter set a new NL record for saves in 1984 with 45. Uh-huh. Which which future Cardinal would be the first to break that record with 47? I'm going to go with, uh, well, let's see. Bruce did it in 84. Lee Arthur uh, did have 47. Did anybody between Smith and Suter have 47? Lee did it. 1990-ish. A future Cardinal. And it was just a National League record? Yes, sir. A future Cardinal. I'm going to go with uh, Lee Arthur Smith. The last time the Huskies claimed a national championship was in 1991 when they finished number one in the coaches poll. Who finished number one in the AP poll and split the title with the Huskies? I believe that Demarco Farr says that uh, they his his Huskies uh, they they were the only champions, and that Miami did not deserve to be co-champions. Okay, <laughs> if you say so, Demarco. Uh, Randy, there were a number of franchise records for fastest goals broken over the weekend. Mm. Which Blues Stanley Cup winning forward set the franchise record with a goal just eight seconds into a game? Eight seconds into a game. I will uh, break this down. I I have a name in my mind, and if the name shows up in the lifeline, I'm going to take it. So go ahead. Was that Tarasenko, Alexander Steen, or David Perron? Okay, I was thinking Schwartzy. So Tarasenko, Steener, or David Perron. (laughs) Um, I will go with number 57, David Perron. All righty, we have ourselves another tiebreaker after going Ooh. multiple weeks without one. We're going to get our second in about three fights, yes. I want to say. So we'll go through the, back to back. The, I believe, yeah, you might, might be back to back. You're right. Uh, let's go through the rules really quickly. I'm going to read off the question. We are then going to give Randy Carricker a moment to write down his answer. Then we will give Steven a chance to say his answer audibly. And whoever is closest to the pin is going to be the winner of today's fight. Steven, do you understand those rules? Yes, I do. Randy, do you have a piece of paper? 
I am getting one. I have a Lindenwood University piece of paper, and I have a pen. Let's see if the pen works. Uh, we are we're good to go. All right. What is the sharpie? Oh, okay. Go ahead. No, I don't. I <laughs> what is the highest team points total in Blues franchise history? What is the highest team points total in Brews franchise history, a.k.a. the points that the team got throughout the season with the whole point system that the, that the NHL has? What is the highest team points I'm total? Say... Oh, wait, hold on, wait, Ooh, hold wait. on a second, Stephen. we gotta, we got to see what Randy Carricker wrote down. I seize it. All right, I see now from Randy Carricker. <laughs> Stephen, what is your guess, sir? I guess 117. 117 is the guess from Steven. Randy Carricker, what is your guess? I said 114, man. Randy Carricker guesses 114. Quick little math there, and we have a winner in today's finally pull out the calculator. Probably a, no, you don't even need to do that, Brock. Don't it, care, that's a, do that's not, do not carry math. Davis me on my math. <laughs> just, uh, no, the math was not that complicated. All right, let's go. <laughs> does Randy Carricker roll on with another victory? Or does Steven stop the winning streak with an overtime <laughs> win? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Oh, let me. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> being late to gloat is something else. I'm sorry, Steven. Randy Carricker hit the jack on the tiebreaker question. Randy Carricker, the highest team point total in Blues franchise history is... 114. That right. was the President's Trophy winning team in 99-2000. And there it is. Crazy. He hit it right on the jack. I'm so sorry, Stephen. My tiebreakers need to get better, and that's on me. You did good, though. Right. You guys tied 3-3. It's hard to take Randy Carricker to a tie with three uh, questions right, and you did it anyway. Let's go through those questions and the answers. On this day in 2000, the Titans pulled off the Music City miracle, but was, in fact, Lorenzo Neal who caught the original kickoff. He legal then handed, he handed off to Frank legal. Wycheck, who then pulled off legal. a legal lateral Thank you. To, uh, to Kevin Dyson for <laughs> the illegal, win. Illegal. Now, Dyson, no other times in the playoffs would he be stopped short of a touchdown? Oh, uh, okay. So Bruce Sutter set a new NFL record. On the anniversary. Received in 1984 <laughs> with 45. It was just six years, seven years later in 1991 when Lee Smith in a Cardinals jersey would put up 47. Jason Isringhausen and Trevor Rosenthal both have 47 in Cardinals history, but of Lee Smith obviously beat them there by a little bit of time. The last time the Huskies claimed the national championship was 1991. It was the coaches' poll where they were number one, but the AP poll did have the Miami Hurricanes number one to the chagrin of Demarco Farr and a number of franchise records for fastest goals broken over the weekend. It's Alexander Steen who actually owns a share of the Blues' fastest goal in history at eight seconds into a game back in 2010. So that was a 3-3 tie for Randy and Steven. And then, of course, the Blues' highest points total in franchise history, 114 in that 1999-2000 President's Cup winning season. Clearly, I started watching that game too late. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. That was really good, Randy. All right, thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you, Steven. Steven. Appreciate really, it. That's a really good joke. For that <laughs> I started watching that game too late. <laughs> that's the fight. Coming up, how much of a loss for Mizzou is defensive coordinator Blake Baker? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. check in here to make sure one mm-hmm. week from today is Martin Luther King Day so we are off next Monday really yeah we are the bulletin flash apparently official uh, so there so there you go Wait, did he say that we're not did writer say I'm we're not I'm getting a very very demonstrative <laughs> large 
shake of the head from Mike Ryder oh. and says, we will be here at 7 to 10 a.m. for your morning not driving to work. I have a November 8th email from Brenda Smeedy, oh. Vice President of Human Resources, with the 2024 holidays. I guess that's different for us. That's fine. Did, I'm being told to ask, did we work last year's MLK Day? And I oh, believe yeah. we did. I think we did. Okay. Hey, Just the, kidding. Yeah. You got me excited for nothing. I was like, wow. Another Monday off? Oh, it would have been great. Uh, so Blake <laughs> Baker leaves Mizzou for LSU. And don't get mad at Blake Baker for, A, going where his family is from. He's from Louisiana. His wife actually was an LSU athlete. Mm-hmm. And he took the money. There's nothing wrong. I know he said he was going to stay at Mizzou. But no coaches in college sports ever take the contract seriously. And by the way, generally the schools don't either. So he's just another defensive coordinator in college football, specifically in the SEC, that signed an extension and moved to the next job. My question is, how big of a deal is it really? If you have players, is losing Balake Baker that big of a deal? I mean, are you going to miss out because, yes, your, your offense or your defense was ascending, but He's going to go to LSU and get fired in two years. You think that that's what's going to happen yeah. to him? Is that he's going to get fired in two years? Yeah. Well, I feel like you, that's that could be that goes the same for anything, right? It does. I will say, I feel like you are allowed to be upset about this because he took Mizzou's defense from 113th ranked nationally back in 2021 to 25th this past season, and. He nobody forced him to put out all those quotes on social media that, was, that we saw, yeah. and it was just a week ago. I read it to you guys last week, where he had this beautiful quote about how he felt like there was unfinished business at Mizzou, and that him and Eli Drinkwitz are really building something, and how much even this means for his family. And then you hear the rumors, and not even a day later, he's gone. So. I want to be a little bit upset. If I was a Mizzou fan, I'd be just a tad bit upset. I understand it is the way that things go, but you also are a tad upset Mm -hmm. because he said that. He said that he was going to stay, and it just happened so quickly like that. At the end of the day, the unfinished business is money. Of course. Right? He can say unfinished business on the football field, but he should should say unfinished goals, unreached goals. goals. But the business part of this always takes precedence. And he was in at 1.9 at Mizzou, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or they would have offered 1.9. Yeah, the new number. I they, think They, they would the... have gone to, to 1.9. He's the highest paid assistant coach in college football. But wasn't, didn't you say that Mizzou wasn't that far off from offering him According that same to price? Gabe DeArmond. Yeah. But people say, that are close to the program, that this was more, that more, than just the money that it yeah, was about. Gabe originally said 300 more, and then obviously now we see 2.5 per. Mizzou was at 1.92. It's 500 more, which was yeah. which was the immediate reports afterwards. I also we, we talk about you know it is business. I don't want to completely just erase the personal aspect of this one, which is the conversation that went on inside the Baker household where the wife played soccer at LSU. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. And well, does she still play soccer for LSU? No, Why but, would that matter? Does she still? And that's play, concerning. If he's, if he's married to a, a college athlete, you like, play but, sport for a team, and you don't. That, 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 there's and they, he he coached a lot in Louisiana. They have it's just they, not just not just his wife. He has a well, lot of family. It's ties. all about the it's family. A lot of, it's a lot family. It's all about the family, especially with Brian Kelly. Of course, why did he? Fire you from LSU yeah. if you had such a connection to Louisiana. Defensive coordinators always move around. They do now. What about taking, because somebody from the 636 texted this in, if defensive players transfer with him, that would hurt. That would hurt. 
And uh, how you, likely do you think that that will be? Because I think it, it's, it's going to happen. I think one of the reasons that Makai Wingo wound up at LSU is because Steeples, Steeples was there, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So I, I have to believe that there's a chance that that could happen. But the most recent people that have committed to Mizzou are saying, I, I came because of drink. And he's the one. So I think Eli Drinkwitz, it's incumbent upon Eli. And by the way, these players just signed their letters of intent within the last couple of weeks. Yeah. But he's got to recruit his own guys and make sure they're here. And find a guy, another defensive coordinator that's attractive to uh, what they want. Mm-hmm. Well, if you say that it doesn't matter, if the piece of paper doesn't matter for the coaches, then does that letter of intent matter to the players? By rule, it does. Yeah, that's the problem is Mizzou can... Hold they they have to at least be here a year before they yeah. would transfer out. But I'm saying even with that that allegiance they can just quickly change that. They will. And, and here's the narrative I think we need to snuff out. We got a text here from the six one eight. It's tough to see because all Mizzou fans know that any good coach they have will get paid more elsewhere and leave no matter how much success they have at Mizzou. Here's the thing, when you're getting beat out by money because the guy just got made the highest paid coach in the in the nation at that at that mm-hmm. job. That's a that's a dumb narrative. Like, yeah, sometimes you're going to lose to the guy being the highest paid at his position. That doesn't mean that Mizzou's out here with a paltry, you know, Pac-12 level coaches um, pool. They got a pretty high assistant pool. That's why they were able to keep bumping up and giving these guys raises. But here's why the narrative exists: because Barry Odom, at one point in his Mizzou existence, was making a lot less than as a head coach than a lot of assistants were making, including both guys at LSU. By the way, the the, the L, both LSU coordinators were making more than Barry Odom as a head coach at Mizzou. But now Eli Drinkwitz is a top ten paid coach in the whole country. Yeah, and he's going to be at least top eight in the SEC. And they were willing to go pretty far they, they bumped up uh more from um, to well over a million dollars a year they were ready to go well over a million dollars a year for blake baker and somebody else will come in and make more than a million dollars a year too yeah and then also the money that they're putting forth for nil you have right. to give mizzou a yeah. lot of credit right. for that and here's the other thing about this michigan's going to play in the championship game of for the nation tonight uh they're playing in their third straight college football championship playoff. Jim Harbaugh is on his fourth defensive coordinator in nine years, and mm-hmm. this is his second defensive coordinator in those three. Alabama's on their fifth defensive coordinator since 2015 right now. They played in five CFP title games, then they've won two with five different coordinators. Kevin Steele is on his third stint on Nick Saban's staff. He's been uh, a defensive coordinator at five different schools with six stops. Nothing to, to say that Blake Baker can't come back here. Jeremy Pruitt. You know him well. Yes. Uh, best mask wearer ever. Was a defensive coordinator <laughs> at Florida State, Georgia, and Alabama. Will Muschamp has been the defensive coordinator uh, at LSU, Auburn, Texas, and Georgia. And when you think about guys moving around, uh, there are a lot of guys that have done, especially for whatever reason, SEC defensive coordinators that just bounce from school mm-hmm. to school. And when you go to work for Brian Kelly, Balake has just joined that group. I fully expect that Eli Drinkwitz is going to be fine in terms of finding a defensive coordinator. And I like the fact that LSU has to come to Mizzou to get their next defensive coordinator. You see, and that's the other point of this, is that if you weren't doing something well, then nobody would want any of your coaches. Mm-hmm. And think about it. Kirby Moore was even attached to some rumors about people scouting mm-hmm. him out. This is his first year as the offensive coordinator for Mizzou. That tells you that a lot of people are recognizing what Mizzou is building, and they're wanting a piece of it.
So right. you could look at that as a positive for sure. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Plus, who do you like in the Natty tonight on 101 ESPN? You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It is time for the Rush Hour Reset at 9.03. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Dan Deerhoff coming up in about 12 minutes. Brooke is here. Matthew is here. I'm Randy. And mm-hmm. breaking news from St. Louis City SC, a new player has been acquired by City. Matthew, what do you got for us here? St. Louis City have acquired 22-year-old Danish left-back Nicholas Deer from Danish Super Club FC Midland. What was that? Uh, Nicholas Deer. It's D-Y-H-R. I'm going to go with Deer or Dyer. It's going to be one of those. It's going to be like Dyer, Dyer. Deer. I don't know. Yeah. By the way, they got they got, they got a left they got a left back, which is me. they got a left back, which is important because well, they they greatly needed a lot know, of fullbacks. Now that he's a member of St. Louis City SC, mm-hmm. the rest of the league has to deal with dire circumstances. Oh, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And what if he and is, he's Danish? You said he's Danish, right? Yes, he is. He is Danish. Mm, I love Danish pastries. Me too. By but the way, here's the other thing, Brooke. Yes. If he's really really good, mm-hmm. is he our great Dane? Uh, oh. Oh, we got a couple Danes. Oh. But is he our great <laughs> Is he big? Is he a big uh, fella? <laughs> is he a big fella? I don't probably I'm gonna be of, I'm gonna be real honest. Big soccer players? I don't know how to even like type out his name. D Y H R. D D Dyer. D Y H R. Because I haven't Here? seen it yet. Um he is listed at five ten. Okay, so he's not as big yeah. as a great Dane. Okay. <laughs> Good. By the that's, way, that's tall. Just right? some other little MLS news while we're on it. Um, the last two weeks, um, St. Louis City no longer has the best goalie in the league. Uh-oh. Because uh, LAFC went out and, and signed Hugo Loris, who was the World Cup winning goalie from France. Okay. So, oh, wow. and, and, he, and he's been Tottenham's goalie for the last, like, decade. Mm-hmm. Um, not great. Well, that just means we need to... It's working harder to get Mbappe here. There you go. There you go. You get one Frenchman, we get a better Frenchman. Are you saying that other teams are trying to basically take a little bit of our playbook and trying to go and get some other 100% because when St. Louis City spent the money they spent on Berkey, a lot of pundits said this is a waste of money. Uh, Goalies don't matter that much. They don't move the needle that much Mm -hmm. in the MLS. It's not a a league where that's where you should be focusing. And Mm -hmm. City proved them obviously wrong, and now you've seen uh, Lurie's has been made a move. Uh, Another club in the MLS made another big move for a goalkeeper. I'm just blanking on the name right now. So, yeah, MLS teams are are seeing the success they had. They're seeing that, um, you know, Crew wins the, uh, you know, goes to the championship with uh, Patrick Schulte. Sorry, wins the championship with Patrick Schulte from St. Louis, who's now the USA's um, top young goalkeeper. And you can see goalkeeper move the needle in the MLS. We, we got to go get new ones. We get it in America. Yeah. Right. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. It is. So, how about that? Good for City. The national championship game between Michigan and Washington tonight at NRG Stadium in Houston. Michigan is a five and a half point favorite in this game. And Brooke, I think that Michigan is going to be able to bully Washington, and I think they're going to be able to cover that five and a half points. And I love Michael Penix Jr., the Washington quarterback. I love their skill position players. But here's my thought process. Mm -hmm. If you are a college football team that pushes Alabama around, which Michigan did, you're going to be able to push around anybody. Now, the speed could pose a problem for Mm -hmm. Michigan, the speed of Washington. But I just think that uh, 
I, I think Michigan is going to beat him up. Uh, did you watch Michael Penix Jr.? He was great. He's great. He and, had to face a pass rush like this. And his offensive line is really, really good, it's including really good. winning the award for being the best O-line in the entire mm-hmm. country. And he has a wide receiver room with a lot of talent. So you're taking Washington? I think I'm going to take Washington. Okay, I like this. this. Good. I, I I think it's a great matchup, honestly. I think it should be a really, really good game. And I think it's close, the predictions, for a reason. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I liked Washington's offense a lot. It's I'm fun to watch. And that's what will give them an opportunity if they're going to win. It'll be protecting Penix and those receivers having big mm-hmm. games because I don't think they're going to be able to run on Michigan. And no. I but think do they even even care about that that much, you think? I mean, you care about it a little well, bit. They ran but... pretty well against Texas until, mm-hmm. well, when Johnson got hurt. That was crazy. That was almost the way the game ended. Should be fun tonight. You'll hear the pregame at 530 here on 101 ESPN. Meanwhile, the Cardinals over the weekend uh, getting Andrew Kittredge from Tampa in exchange for Richie Palacios. And, Brooke, you made the point about the Cardinals Kittredge will be a free agent after the season. Obviously, you signed two of your starters to one-year contracts if you choose for them to be with with options. Goldie is is up after this season. Mm -hmm. And you had an interesting... uh, not a concern as much of it is what does it mean yeah because as you're talking about there there are so many one-year deals and Kittredge he will be a free agency next year so what do you think that it means because I don't think it's a coincidence that you now have several players that are in that category of being done after this season possibly with the Cardinals it could be one of two things number one it could be that they're concerned about the long-term financial viability of Bally and mm-hmm. there's going to be another hearing, I think, on Wednesday. And baseball wants Bally to commit that they're going to give them all the money they need for to all the money that they're owed for 2024. Last year during the season, mm-hmm. the Padres quit getting paid and the D-backs quit getting paid by their Bally uh, affiliates. And they had to switch how people found the games on a day of a game in yeah. the middle of the season. <laughs> it looked crazy. It did. And so baseball doesn't want that to happen. They don't want to inconvenience their fans any more than they have but to. But the Cardinals broadcasts are very profitable. They they are, and they should be safe. But I, I, I believe that baseball wants everybody to be in the same boat. So mm. having no Bally, and there was a report that Bally was getting, uh, that a court filing reported that Bally was getting ready to wind down in September. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, the Cardinals don't know where money would come from. That would be one reason why they would have one-year contracts. The other reason could be that, okay, I've got Andrew Kittredge, and I've got a one-year contract for Lance Lynn, and I've got a one-year contract for Kyle Gibson. But I've got Tink Hens on the way. I've got Gordon Graceffo on the way. I've got Michael McGreevy on the way. I'm preparing for those guys to be ready to go in 2025. That could be the other thing. Maybe the one-year deals are just holdovers until, uh, seat warmers, until the young guys are ready. Yeah, and with John Mosellock, he will technically be, and I'm putting this in air quotes if you're not watching on this on YouTube, done in 2025. Yep. Do you think that also is a part of factoring to this? Because then you're going to be ushering in a new era, possibly, with Michael Gersh, unless something else crazy happens. But do you think that that's also in play with this? I don't think so, because I, I would think that there is, they always use the term collaboration. I mm-hmm. would think that... Whoever is going to take over from 
the internal aspect of Cardinals baseball. I would you be surprised if it was anybody from the outside? It, oh, would, I'd be very surprised if it was somebody from the outside. So when when Mo is done running the baseball operations here, I have to believe that there's going to be a level of collaboration to have the next person be prepared with a situation that they're amenable with. Yeah. And I guess that there is one other way to look at the one-year contracts is for these players, if they want to continue to play elsewhere or with the Cardinals, then you have to perform at your best. So then you see these players with their backs against the wall. What do they perform like? Mm -hmm. You would hope that you would be getting the best out of them in these situations. And here's the other thing. With both Lynn and Gibson, you have options for the Mm -hmm. next year. So if Bally clicks in and they say, okay, we're going to be here for the long term, you can pick up those options if those guys perform well. So what are the Dodgers doing? Like, they don't seem worried about any TV deals or anything like that. They have like an infinite amount of cash and they're not worried about anything. I don't think they even need to worry about a TV deal. Yeah, they've just got a lot of money. Yeah, which they do have their own network. Which which helps. But still, but yeah. They're cleaning up. They don't They said they haven't found a spot yet where there's a budget. It's crazy. (laughs) Uh, That, folks, is your Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk to Michigan Hall of Famer, Our Towns, the great Dan Deardorff, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Tonight, the national championship game, Michigan and Washington, and Michigan Hall of Famer, Pro Football Hall of Famer, College Football Hall of Famer, St. Louis Hall of Famer, Missouri State Hall of Famer, Dan Deardorff joins us to talk about this game and all other things, because Dan always has great opinions. Good morning, sir. How you doing? <laughs> Good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. And I've always admired your allegiance to and fandom of Michigan. The fact that after your, your national career, you went back to, to broadcast. And I remember you doing, when you were doing Monday Night Football, you were doing a, a bowl game of some point, at some point. Do you still have your the, the, the Hail to the Victors ringtone on your phone? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, and uh, But that doesn't mean that I don't really appreciate hearing the world's greatest fight song every time I, I hear it. And I appreciated you playing the preamble to it. And, uh, yep, we'll, uh, hopefully we get to hear it a lot tonight. <laughs> well, Dan, I think it's pretty easy to tell who you think will be winning tonight, but I wanted to ask you specifically, we saw how Michigan's defense was really able to pressure Alabama's offensive line and, of course, Jalen Milrow, but Michael Penix Jr. is a totally different quarterback. He's really a gunslinger, and with that Joe Moore award-winning offensive line in front of him, how will Michigan handle Washington's high-powered offense led by Penix? Well, you've got my number. <laughs> Call me about 11 o'clock tonight, and I'll tell you. <laughs> it's, the fact of the matter is, is you're right. Um, this, uh, this offense of Washington's is, uh, I think they're extraordinary. Uh, Michael Penix got my vote for the Heisman Trophy. I thought he earned it. I thought he deserved it. He's the best thrower of the football in college football right now and he's got three nfl receivers and uh how we're going to cover all three of those guys uh that is a big question and you're right alabama had the world's biggest 
offensive line, three players weighed 360 pounds or more. Well, guess what? Their lateral movement was crap. So <laughs> we, we, we ran all around them. This offensive line from Washington, you're right. They're the Joe Moore uh, winners. They're great pass blockers, good run blockers. This is by far and away the best offense Michigan has seen all year. That being said, Dan, it, it seems to me that maybe the best approach for Michigan to take is to keep the ball out of the, the Washington hands. It's, and, yeah. and that seems like something that Michigan would be able to do. Well, it's certainly, uh, if we don't do it, it won't be through lack of effort. That's, that's Michigan's path to winning this football game, is to keep Michael Penix on the Washington bench, uh, put together long drives, you know, it's got a lot of names, bully ball, whatever you want to call it. But uh, if we're going to win the football game tonight, we're going to have to run the football, run it effectively, and play keep away. There, I, I don't see another path. It, we, we, we do not want to get into a shootout with Washington. That, that's not what we're built for. As soon as you said run the football, immediately think of Blake Quorum and everything that he's done for Michigan this season. What have you thought of his play, and how big is he going to be in this game? Well, first of all, I'm a, a little melancholy because Blake uh, is going to play his last football game for Michigan tonight. And uh, I, I have to tell you, I've been around Michigan football for 55 years, and and there are – maybe a handful of players that I would compare to Blake Corum in terms of what you see on the field, what you see off the field, the quality of the football player, the quality of the human being. Uh, Blake Corum is an extraordinary guy. Uh, I'm, I'm just so proud of his Michigan career. And you're right. He's the heartbeat of our football team. Uh, if Blake has a big night tonight, we'll win the game. Hey, Dan, how do you feel about all of the rumors and all of the stuff surrounding Jim Harbaugh? Well, I, you know, he is what he is. Um, uh, you know, it's <laughs> what does it tell you about your college football coach that the first thing you do is check how many guys got fired this morning in the NFL because <laughs> you're – you know he's going to listen. You know Jim Harbaugh is is going to listen. I, clearly, there's an itch that he has not been able to scratch ever since he lost to his brother uh, in the Super Bowl. And uh, if I, I have to assume that if the right team uh, with a good quarterback or a path to a good quarterback, if they make uh, Jim Harbaugh a uh, – a really good offer, I, he's probably going to take it. What do you think of just the state overall of college football right now? We're going to see the playoff format change next season where you have 12 teams. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, that's a great question because my thoughts are that in two or three years, uh, we may not recognize college football. Uh, once we go to the 12-team playoffs, in my mind, the bowl system that we've enjoyed for decades is dead. It's nothing other than the games involving those 12 teams 
is going to matter. And I, I still, I'm having trouble wrapping my head around the fact that starting next year, the Big Ten Conference is going to have a team in Seattle, Washington, and a team in Piscataway, New Jersey. Are you kidding me? <laughs> are, are, what, you know, college football, uh, one of the great allures of college football was how regional it was. And it was, you know, a team from the south against a team from the north and the east versus the west. Well, I, I, this is I, I don't this is crazy, uh, but it is what it is. And it's the world going forward, and you either adapt or die. That's where we are. Well, and Dan, I watched this, but you lived it. I, For example, I cannot imagine a college football player in the Big Ten or in the Pac-12 opting out of the Rose Bowl. And, it, and for example, like Christian McCaffrey is a really bright guy and, and probably did the right thing for his career. But can you imagine as a Michigan player playing and having the opportunity to play in the Rose Bowl and not? Uh, no, I can't, I can't imagine that, but, but I do understand the business decision, uh, that some of these guys make, if you're not involved, it's the world in we, in which we live now with a, the college player. If you're not involved, uh, in the playoff hunt, if you're not chasing a national championship, I, if, you know, if, if I'm a parent, and and one of those kids was mine. Oh, I boy, it's it really be hard to say. Well, go out there and get one for the Gipper, and and take a huge risk on your financial future. I I I, I that's hard to do. The other part of this, you mentioned that in a few years, college football might be non recognizable. How how is it that a student athlete? Let's take JT Daniels as an example, who played at USC, went to Georgia, went to West Virginia, and went to Rice. Yeah. Uh, how, yeah. How's he going to college? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. And uh, it, it's yes, this it, they're mercenaries now. Uh, it's NFL light. It's whatever you want to call it. Um, you, you will have schools that will still emphasize. Uh, uh, trying to be uh, a student athlete. Uh, they're going to try to hang on to that. I know it, at Michigan, uh, no, no football player is taking uh, online courses. <laughs> Michigan doesn't have online courses. They actually believe that you have to go sit in a classroom with other students. Isn't that a crazy idea? That's <laughs> <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember... I think it was uh, Justin Fields uh, uh, when he was uh, th- doing an interview. He, he said, "Hey, I heard campus is really attractive, but uh, I I've never been there because I take all my classes online." Okay, all right, that's great. That's amazing. That's incredible. Well, I feel like we do, even though we mentioned the, at the beginning, we know who you were rooting for. But can you give us a final score prediction of what you think is going to happen tonight? Who's going to come away with the national championship? Well, I, I feel pretty strongly this won't be a ten-seven uh, football <laughs> game. Uh, I think Michigan's going to have to score in the thirties uh, if we're to win this game tonight. And that's just, that's the beautiful part of this. Let's be realistic. 
Washington might very well win tonight, and there'll be no there'll be no hang in our head. This these right now are the only two undefeated teams in college football. The committee got it right. It's number one versus number two. And, you know, congratulations to whoever wins tonight. And to, if, if you don't win tonight, you've still had an extraordinary year, Washington. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yes, I, uh, Michigan, uh, 35-31. There we go. I love it. Hey, Dan, I, I want to touch on a couple more things. Number one, you had a great quote a few years ago about the NFL. You said, the game they're playing is not the game that I loved. And I, I agree with you 100% that the product is so much different. But, man, it's still compelling to me. I, I cannot, and as much as I hate the business of the NFL for what they did to our city, I can't turn away from it. Well, because if you appreciate the game of football, uh, you have to appreciate the amount of skill that it takes to play it at that level. And that is, uh, uh, I mean, you're going to see a lot of skill in tonight's game. But when you watch a typical NFL game on, on Sunday, and if you're not impressed by the athleticism uh, of the guys out there on the field and the, the, the speed and the, and the power and, and everything that's involved in watching an NFL football game. If you don't appreciate that, well, then you're not a football fan. And, Randy, that's why you love watching it, and I do too, because I, I, I rarely ever watch an NFL game where I don't just go, wow, that's, that was something. And then the final thing, uh, Bill Belichick had a little press conference this morning. He said, hey, we're going to have player meetings today. I'll meet with Robert Kraft later in the week. And I've my feelings about Belichick are known. I don't know if you, you've ever heard my stat, but, Dan, after yesterday, <laughs> uh, Bill Belichick, without Tom Brady as his quarterback, his record is 88 and 102. And with Brady, it's like 249 and 75. I, I think that there's a lot of Tom Brady in the success that, that Belichick had. But... You always told me, hey, when we do these production meetings with Belichick, he's really a good guy. So if the career with the Patriots is over, can you kind of put it in perspective for us? Well, it, it's uh, – uh, first of all, you're right. You have to remember what I've said about Bill Belichick. I, I like Bill a lot. And when you are in a meeting with Bill or a social setting with Bill, let me tell you something. He's as much fun to be around – as anybody I've ever known, I'm a fascinating storyteller. He's an NFL historian. Um, he will talk about anything involving the game of football, except his current edition <laughs> of the New England Patriots. You, you get you get squat about that. That's you don't get anything. But in terms, I I, I love Bill Belichick, and all I want if he and Robert Kraft are going to part ways. Uh, I think it will be a community effort, and Bill Belichick deserves that. And whatever, wherever they go, uh, I, I just want Bill to to be in charge. That's that, and I think Robert Kraft is is smart enough to do that. Hopefully, they can work something out. And oh, by the way. Uh... Nobody else is winning six Super Bowls, regardless of how or why he got there. Nobody else is coming around that corner to to win six Super Bowls ever again. No, you're right. And and Tom Brady didn't win those Super Bowls by himself. That 
when you look back at those New England teams, they they had a lot of good football players, and 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 they got cycled in and out over the fifteen or twenty year run. It's just that Tom Brady was there basically for the whole part of it. But uh, it, it was it was a community in in New England. But I'm sorry, uh, you won't get me to say anything negative about Bill Belichick. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, he'll try. He'll try, Dan. Well, uh, well, well, he's got he's got his detractors, and if if I was a New England beat writer, I would have just I I don't know what I'd have done. I, 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 my my hair would have fallen out even earlier than it did. So <laughs> yeah, amazing, he, he's something. Double D, yeah. it's always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. Good luck tonight. And uh, Matthew said, if Michigan wins, it's gonna be, I'm going to be happy for Dan Deardorff. You know that I'm going to be happy for you. I, I want them to get a championship in the worst way, and we're rooting for the the Wolverines tonight for you. Oh, and, and one sideline notice for you tonight. I I suspect John Harbaugh. We'll be on the sideline uh, uh, with the Michigan football team. Time. I think the Harbaugh's are pulling out all the stops. Oh. <laughs> That'll be great. All right, enjoy it, Dan. Tell Debbie we said right. hi and have, have a great day. All right, thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Dan Deardorff, Double D, with us on 101 ESPN. Oh, he's great. That he's, was amazing. Dan's yeah. as good as it gets. Also, I loved his thoughts on just the state of college football because it is weird when you talk about it, about conferences and where they are. It's, it's nowhere near regional of what, what we're about to see. When I grew up, it was the Big Eight Mm-hmm. And the rivalries were all in conference, and you could count on playing Oklahoma and Nebraska every year, Kansas, yeah. Kansas State. It was uh, it, you knew what to expect. It's completely different now. And the only thing that, well, the region regionality of it also made the rivalry rivalries great because then you can drive. You can right. do it like yeah. it's easy instead of having to get yeah. a plane ticket and, and, and I, go across the country. Right. And you and I have talked about how. The, the rival, like for Mizzou right now, because they moved to a different conference, they don't really have a real intense rivalry. It, it's no. amazing to me that Kansas is still their best rivalry. Fortunately for Dan, he'll always have Michigan and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. UCLA and USC are always going to be a rivalry. Yeah. But there are schools. I don't think Arkansas has a real rivalry, and they've been in the That's SEC always forever. Right? The big question, right, is if it's an actual rivalry between the two, or is it just more manufactured? Yeah. And that's, by the way, a thing that the SEC is going to have to come to grips with because there's so many look at Alabama mm-hmm. Auburn Tennessee that's their biggest rivalry rival right mm-hmm. and Georgia that they don't see them every year but LSU so those are three schools LSU Tennessee and Auburn that Alabama has to see every year yeah well, you're not going to have the opportunity to set that up to so that they can play them every year yeah it's weird. It's yeah. it's very weird it's, how it's, it's all different. changing in that way. And it'd be a shame if they do give those three to Alabama. Then you're missing out on Lane Kiffin against Alabama mm-hmm. every year, which is kind of a bummer. Lane K- Kiffin against Tennessee, which he always likes to make fun yeah. of Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the great stuff. Great yeah. stuff. <laughs> next up, what should we take out of the Blues' four-game homestand? What should we expect? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Fifth round of the shootout. Shen, ball of this feel good for him. Can he win it? In. Shootout. Deeks. Shoots. Score! The captain with a game winner in the shootout. A 2-1 win on the road against the Hurricanes.
Zambonis. And you can bring out the Zamboni. The boys are coming home for a homestand. Chris Kerber, the call on Saturday night. Braden Chen scoring in the fifth round of the shootout to give the Blues their seventh win under their new coach. They're seven and three and in their last ten. And Brooke, as we start this four-game homestand, it's going to be really difficult, I would think, for uh, the Blues, even though they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. Think about this. Tomorrow, you've got the Panthers. 52 points, third most in the National Hockey League, two points out of first overall. Only two points out of first. Thursday, the Rangers have 54 points, tied for the most points overall. Saturday, the Bruins, 54 points, tied for the most overall. And then next Monday, the finale of this four-game homestand, the Flyers, who have 46 points, that's the seventh most in the NHL. This homestand mm-hmm. will give the Blues a really good idea as to how good they are. Can they be in the upper echelon of the NHL? Because this is all the upper echelon of the NHL. I think that this will showcase that. Even the way that they have started into this, there's been so many encouraging signs under Drew Bannister. Whatever is happening, whatever message, which I don't believe, and I've said this, that it's any different than really what Craig Bruby had message-wise. You just want your players to play hard. But it seems like he is going about it in a different manner that resonates more, especially with these young players. And I think that was really key with what Army was looking for is that he wanted to maximize these young players and these big contracts that you have with Robert Thomas and with Jordan Cairo. Robert Thomas has been fantastic this season. Mm-hmm. He deserves so much credit, especially consistently throughout this season, what he's been able to bring to this team. I mean, we heard Curbs earlier when he was talking about the numbers and compared to Ryan O'Reilly and his Selkie season. I think that that tells you a lot about Robert Thomas and his progression. Mm-hmm. He continues to make strides every single season, and he deserves a lot of credit. And he'll be huge during this stretch. Why are these teams great? All of these teams, top seven in the NHL. The Florida Panthers are third in goals against per game, 2.51. The Bruins are fifth at 2.66 allowed per game. The Rangers are sixth at 2.74 allowed per game. And the Flyers are eighth at 2.74 allowed per game. So it is going to be incumbent upon the Blues, A, obviously, to keep the goals against down because you need to take advantage of those opportunities when they present themselves and with your fulcrum of the offense being Robert Thomas, he's going to have to have a big homestand offensively for this team. He is. And the way that the Blues have been able to shut down some of the teams that they have faced, they've been able to shut down a lot of other teams' top lines. And I think that everybody deserves a lot of credit for that. Colm Pareko, we talked about Robert Thomas, and we've talked a lot about Colm Pareko, but this season for Colm Pareko has been huge for him and what he's been able to do. But also the way that they're able to really limit and almost shut down opposing teams' top lines. And these are good lines that they're facing. I think that says a lot, too. One of the other things that has happened under Bannister in these 10 games, do you remember a time, maybe the Tampa Bay game right at the beginning, but that would be it, where do you remember a time where you thought they weren't playing hard? Because that yeah. happened a lot this season. Yeah, and it was Ruby. the way that they lost, right. too. Yeah, and now we, we always talk about giving 60 minutes. It mm-hmm. seems like the Blues are regularly giving 60 minutes of effort. Yeah, you definitely notice the difference there. Even in these close games, remember when you felt that earlier on in the season, those close games, they would get out of hand very quickly. Yep. All of a sudden, in a few minutes, there would be a flurry of goals allowed. And you're like, how do we go from this being like a one-goal game to like a three-goal game difference now? But it seems like they're able to close the gap more and they're playing a tighter game. So what do you think of these four? I think the Blues can very easily get four of the eight points. I think so, too. 
I, I believe easily, in but it. I think yes. you can get four of the eight. I, I believe in it right now. I'm very excited with what they have going on. I feel like you can take your hand off the panic button at this point with all the changes. And Craig Bruby, of course, when you say all this, when you're giving credit to Drew Bannister, all this stuff, it doesn't take away from everything that Craig Bruby has done. I still don't like the change, but I do understand that sometimes change is necessary. And it seems to have worked for this group for whatever reason. And that was a tough position the Army was put in where he had to get something out of this to figure out if this was a retool or if this was something that you had to rebuild completely. It's part of how It changes the conversation, right? Right. When you look at what happened with Boston, when they got rid of Bruce Cassidy, he goes to Vegas and wins a cup. But NHL coaches move around all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's because, for whatever reason, after three or four years, they lose the ear of their players. Peter DeBoer has been all over the place. He's won wherever he's been. Wherever he's been. But he's lost the ear of teams. It, it, we've, we've mentioned Peter Laviolette, John Tortorella. Yeah. All of these guys at some point are going to lose the ear of their teams. And it's just something that we have to accept, even though we love a coach who won us a Stanley Cup, we have to accept that there's a shelf life for all of them. Exactly. And someone from the 618 texted in, Blues are now enjoyable to watch. They actually yeah, are, they are, right? Yeah. Those, those games earlier on, I was like, I don't know if I could make it through the entire game. But now you actually feel like you can watch through the end. And no matter the result, you're watching a good game. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up. We've got your chance to win tickets to Billy Joel and to Sting on Friday, September 27th at Bush Stadium. Plus, we've got rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Sing us a song, you're the piano man. Sing us a song tonight, for we're all in the mood for a melody, and you've got us feeling all right. No, I am. I just I don't know all the lyrics like that. I know the ESPN has your chance to learn the lyrics. A chance to score a pair of tickets to Billy Joel and Sting. For one night only on Friday, September 27th at Bush Stadium. What? Why are you confused, Rock? Was, you didn't realize uh, was, it was, was, it was that the police? I didn't know Sting was the lead. Is Sting the lead singer of the police? Yeah. I didn't know Sting was the lead singer of the police. I've only known Sting as a solo artist. Oh, okay. I, ne- oh. I, I, never, do- I never dove into the police oh. before. I didn't realize Sting was the lead singer yeah. of police. This is okay. a block in my memory. I'm going to be I honest. Know. I didn't know that either. Okay. I, I knew. If I we're know, speaking our truths you, right now. Because you said Roxanne. I'm like, that's the police. I'm like, oh my God, is Sting the lead singer? Yeah, sure was. Wow. Yep. Tickets for Billy and Sting go on sale Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win free tickets right now by texting the Air Comfort Service sex line at 314-399-9646. You have to answer a question, so wait till the question is asked. <laughs> but you can find all the ticket details and a bonus chance to register to win tickets to Billy Joel and Sting at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 mobile app. Again, tickets on sale Friday morning at 10 a.m. Billy Joel and Sting, one night only, Friday, September 27th at Bush. All right, Matthew, what do we got in terms of a question for the masses to answer to get these said tickets? All right, because of the national championship tonight, I was doing a little research on the Washington Huskies. And I, I just want to say, first of all, uh, college football reference needs to get their mind out of the gutter because mm. there is not an NFL logo next to DeMarco Farr's name on the 1991 Washington Huskies roster. 
despite the fact that he obviously played a few years in the NFL. That's college football reference? Yes, college football reference doesn't okay. have an NFL logo next to DeMarco Farr's name. So yesterday, maybe the day before, I'm doing Immaculate Grid football. <laughs> okay. And it's got one of the things is Super Bowl champ, Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. I put DeMarco Farr. And it's it blanks me out. It what? says no. And so I actually sent them a note that said, <laughs> I put DeMarco Farr in. He played for the 1999 Rams, and then he played in the Super Bowl the week after, or in the Pro Bowl the week after. I know he did. Yeah. He went to Hawaii, and they, they wouldn't give him credit for that either. Did So did they reply back yet or I no? I don't believe I've heard from them. I, I love when you do that, Ray. One, because we've seen you do it during the fight, but also I've seen you in action at a trivia event where a question was wrong, and then you're like, wait a second. Yeah. Excuse me, and, I, and point it out. I try to, I, I try to make sure that uh, you're just helping people. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be of service. Mm-hmm. Well, so. my question was going to be that the starting mm-hmm. quarterback of that 1991 team didn't really play in the NFL very much, but his backup ended up having a long, storied career in the NFL. So, in that 1991 Washington Huskies team, the backup quarterback would go on to have a very long NFL career. Who was that backup quarterback for the 1991 Washington Huskies? I might know hmm. both of those quarterbacks. That's really? a good one. I like that. Text in 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! Backup quarterback for the 91 Huskies. And if you are texter number 75, that was DeMarco's number, hmm. you will win those tickets. All right, we got any rock and roll stuff? You got any great information for us? Yes, I do. I actually, I'm, I'm getting a, a confirmation right now. I'm, I'm trying to ascertain confirmation. The flash on apparently official. The pronunciation for the new left back for St. Louis City. It's either Deer or Dyer. Apparently. Oh, there's the, a third option. Apparently, it might be Dewar. Doer. Yes, I'm I'm I I right now am talking to the uh, to the uh, the PR guys at City and they're they're confirming that it is in fact Doer. So like I I thought it was Dyer. I thought maybe Dyer or something like that. But yeah, apparently uh, we're confirming right now that it's it's Doer. By the way, if you if you didn't hear it earlier, Nicholas, I'm going to call him right now for what I have. It might change. Nicholas Doer has been acquired from uh, Danish club FC Midland, which if you don't know anything about, I don't know why I know this, but I just happen to know that that's a very good club at producing young talent. Um, and he he played for their European Champions U21 team. He's played for youth teams in uh, Denmark before. And bottom line is here, City had to come in here and they had to get uh, a couple positions to solve out you know the problems from last year. And the three moves that they've made have been a right back in Thomas Totland, a left back now in Nicholas Dewar, and a defensive midi in the trade for Chris Durkin that happened at the very beginning of the offseason. They've made all their moves, and it's a good thing they have because training camp starts in a week. Oh, man, that's unbelievable. Oh, wow. So Nicholas Dewar going to be a member of St. Louis City SC. Oh, by the way, yesterday, Nicholas Cage's birthday. He was born in 1964, so he's 59. Favorite Nicholas Cage movie. Mine's The Rock. Mm. Oh, National Treasure. National Treasure, okay. Ooh. Con Air was good. Yeah, Con Air is really good. I'm actually talking about good ones. It's 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 probably Con Air. Like actually yeah. like good Nicolas Cage mm-hmm. movies. Con Air. I feel incredible. like there's one that I'm forgetting. Hold on one second. Uh, Captain Corelli's mandolin. Leaving was he leaving Las Vegas? Leaving Las Vegas is mm. uh, the dark truth of yeah, the, yeah, the life yeah. of an alcoholic. Yes. Yeah. Ghost Rider. <laughs> not yeah. not should not be up there. I think it he made his debut in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Really? He might have been named Nicholas Coppola at the I was time. Gonna say, I was going to say, I'm, I'm surprised his debut wasn't as like a kid in like a Godfather movie, like the background of a Godfather yeah, movie. Because a lot of people don't know that, by the way, of course, that Nicholas Cage is from the Coppola family. Yeah, and I think, I think that kind of blows a lot of people's minds. Yeah, it is. Really? He's Francis, yeah. he's Francis Ford's uh, grandson. Right. Yeah, Francis Ford Coppola. Oh. 
So, so now you know via radio. So have you given us? So uh, Matthew gave us definitive. I I'm gonna have to go with National Treasure too. Okay. I love that movie, but Con Air is a better movie. I'll, I'll yeah. admit that. Mm. I love The Rock. I even bought the soundtrack to The Rock. The Rock with Sean Connery. <laughs> it's great. Great movie. All right. Uh, you can hear our interview with Dan Deerdorf on the podcast, which will come your way, brought to you by Dobbs Iron Auto Center. It'll be on the app and on the 101 ESPN website later on today. And, of course, uh, we congratulate the winner, the Billy Joel and Sting tickets, and we'll be giving those away every single day this week. As a matter of fact, we, BK and Ferrario in the Fast Lane, each show is going to be giving away tickets mm. for the concert every single day this week. The starter, Billy Joe Herbert? I want to say for the Hobart. Hobart, Hobart, yeah, yeah Hobart yeah. for the, the backup who had a much Mark longer Brunel. NFL career. The lefty, Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel was the answer, yeah. and we'll give those tickets out to the winner. Yeah, there nice. you go. So now you know. And some people were disappointed that Rock and I did not know that Sting was the lead singer of the police. So yeah. we promise, we pinky promise, we'll go home and study it. You got to understand it though. I knew Roxanne, I knew the police, but yeah, I just I know didn't the songs. know yeah. Sting, what, which band he was from. Come on now. Yeah. Great job by our producer, audio video engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocky. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes. Danny Mack's going to join us tomorrow. Looking forward to that as uh-huh. we have a new edition of the opening drive here on 101 ESPN. We thank you for tuning and texting in and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great Monday, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.